Welcome to episode 241 of the Overlook Hour. I am your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man over in Oakland, California. He just said it's a little bit hot today. It's Randy Michaelstad. Yes, sir. I have the uh, window open, so you may hear some freeway traffic and or helicopters. But uh, Some street noise. Heli- what's going on in Oakland today? I don't know, man. There's always helicopters. There was also a worship really? band set up in a parking lot across the street from my house this morning. I'm sorry, what? Did you join Apparently them? Apparently they do a church service or something and they have a worship band at this parking lot, like, not too far from my house. Randy, that's a music gig, dude. See, you know, <laughs> you need like a backup drummer or something. Pack up your microcord. Get I gotta get back yeah. into Christ to play music live again? <laughs> you don't have to be, you know. That's true. Just fake it. Most people a do. A gig is a gig, dude. That's fair. Man, it's the gig economy, man. Yeah, man. Also joining us is Russell John Fisher. Excuse me, Rusty John Fisher and Oksana Valerian of Invosach. What, you just lumped us together? Yeah. <laughs> All right, type. I view you as one person. <laughs> it's that- Take for that what you will. <laughs> but you know it's true. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. I like I like this in and out shirt you have. I know, it's tight. The Colorado one. Yeah. My sister got COVID so I could get it. In Colorado. Yep. That's a good that's Colorado COVID, COVID man. I got COVID in Oh, speaking of uh COVID, um someone with whom we are close died. Got COVID. Who? Is it Nigel Bach? Our, oh our buddy Jeff in Florida. Who Jeff? Oh really? Yep. Oh, okay. He'll be fine. He posted a video said, I got COVID. I guess I'm going to watch TV for 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> he looked feverish. Yeah. And he was in his truck. We wish Jeff a lot of Are fun. you going to give him his drop? You mentioned him. Here we go. Where is it? Oh, God. Trigger! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Jeff. Gone too soon. R.I.P. Joining us on the show this week is Christian Zakarczyk. Now, did I ask Christian how to pronounce his last name before we talked to him? I did not. Did I ask Christian how to pronounce his name after we talked to him? No, I did not. So, Christian, if I messed up your last name, I apologize. Also, it's kind of your fault for having a difficult last name. So, don't blame me. Russell? What? You need help? What do you think of our talk with Christian? I thought it was fun. I think everybody should uh, check it out. I know we bury these good interviews. Honestly, I'm, I'm starting to think the interviews are the best part of the show. They're buried an hour and a half behind us, jerking each other off, talking about beer. and ch- Just skip all this. Just go right there. Actually, Randy, whatever happened to doing the, the timestamp? Uh, you know, it... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no comment. That was... Very- <laughs> Totally forgot. I think, Oksana, do you do it on YouTube? I do. Wait, what happened to our YouTube videos? They're coming. (laughs) See, me and Clark, we're a well-oiled machine. I mean... We've been doing this shit for four years. Randy... That that is true, but again, we just show up (laughs) and talk. Because that, honestly... Look, that's the sad side of show business, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry that we're the talent. I'm sorry that we carry the show. Don't group me. And that, you know, you plebeians actually have to do the real work <laughs> as I rise to stardom. 
and Russell is on my cockles. Now I, I can feel it. I'm getting. I'm gonna. One day, Randy's gonna be in here, and I'm gonna be in East Oakland. <laughs> and, I'm gonna be, and I'm gonna be like, "Oh, I got my window open. I went to the movies alone." He's gonna replace me. Have you ever been to the movies alone? No. Never. No, I have friends. Why would I do that? So see, that's, that's <laughs> a mis- no. See, that's the thing. People see that's that's a thing. It's perfectly healthy to go to the movies alone. True. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, there's no argument. That's, that's they just the statement. That's what I want both of you to do. Mm-hmm. That's right. your homework for this year. Both of you go to a movie by yourself. I can't. I want to see if it can you know, be done. You know, again, you want to, we're, we'll get into podcasts I've been listening to again. And just, you know, the human, um, our, our modern culture of removing ourselves from the tribal nature of, you know, the human beast we all are. Yeah. And I really think that's the best argument for movie theaters coming back. Is that art is so much better when you, you know, digest it in a group. I mean, dude, going out and watching nobody with y'all, like, yes, much better than Russell, watching. I am yeah. not trying to argue <laughs> to not go with a group. I know. That's fine. But my whole thing, if I went and I say I went and I watched The Empty Man alone, yeah, I would walk out of there re- with regret. And I would be like, fuck, man. You I don't wish know people- because you've never done it before. <clears throat> oh, dude, I feel bad watching a movie that is good alone at home. I don't like doing it. That's why half my collection, I've never watched it. What films have you watched at home alone? What did you, Ooh, what did you Macaulay I'd, Culkin? I'd really have to think about it. I used to watch um, Amazon Prime alone because I'm like, oh, I don't want to make people like, you know, sit through a random, you know, feature film that I refuse to turn off. And then I learned, I'm just going to start doing that anyway. And That's also people, true. Yeah. The only film I know that you've turned off is Velvet Bustle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, I should go, I should rewatch it yeah. so then I can try and do it. No, no, but here's the thing. I know another one you turned off. Oh, really? Uh, voices? Or what's his face? Can hear animals talk? I turned that off the because voices. the theater, they, there was a mutiny of Bruin. Oh, yeah. Y'all had and everybody fight. got mad. <laughs> they, they were, they were riff, I like that film. They were riffing and I just said, I'm turning it off. Fuck y'all! And I've I've actually done that another time. I turned off Rubber because I was in a room with people ripping it, and I just went, "I want to watch this movie." Y'all are making this a worse experience, so I turned it off. But see, Russell, you've sort of cultivated that no, atmosphere, uh-uh. though. Nope. No, I do not put on a film to shred it. And I don't every know, now and- man. I, but no, but I'll, because I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I think that's a sort of a. That's a slippery slope you yeah, have, yeah. and I think that because of some of the people that are associated with coming, you know, on a, used to come in on a regular basis watching films, they maybe can't see that writing on the wall. Oh, dude, S- rubber! It could sort of be hard to misinterpret. Rubber was pre the uh, screening shit. It was a long time ago. Yeah, and I turned that off because I. Um, I think I was thinking about film in a different way. I'd already taken my very prestigious college courses at a community college. And I was just like, hey, f- shut the fuck up. I'm turning this shit off. Yeah. The other one was clearly a product of people trying to fuck with me. And it just worked. They just got under my armor that day. And I went, you know what? Fuck y'all. And then, yeah. I. But then um, one of the audience members saved the day by putting on, um, what was that Kung Fu movie? And I'm blanking on the Kung Fu has never saved the day. No, it was uh, Rikki O. Oh, okay. Rikki O, yeah. Well, we did watch that after. Yeah, that was a good day. 
I thought you were going to say Kung Fury, and I was going to be like, no. no. Fuck a Kung Fury. Very controversial thing. <laughs> Oksana, it's time for your work. Your <laughs> life's work, which you deliver to us every week. And this is the start of your segment. You have a new theme song. Your new theme song <laughs> is this. The Utah Monolith. <laughs> Don't laugh at that. I didn't believe you. <laughs> Update. You have a new theme I got, song. I got one. Can Your I play one? Your new theme song is this. That's a lot of Sasquatch jizz. Oh, boy. <laughs> Can I try one? one? All right, go. You know there's actual That's- music playing underneath this, too. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> the bedding music. Oh. <laughs> I don't listen to the show. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's chaos, baby. Just <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love, dude, that was... <laughs> the parts people go to the bone zone you're a big dick he's not even a real baby he's like 43 motherfucker doesn't pay taxes <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, interstellar the price was right a dollar he's a pedophile oh, that worked i'd say we keep that let's open the show with that string <laughs> string of audio drops string uh. of dead sound clips oksana what movies are we not gonna watch <laughs> hey he watched voyager that is true violence voyager that was a good movie. Um, so this week we have two uh, two movies that are actually going to be playing in limited theaters opening this Friday the Ooh. 16th. First time in a long time. Um, the first one is In the Earth. Pass. Yeah, I don't know how I feel, I'm in. I don't know how I feel about him. As the world <laughs> searches for a cure to a disastrous virus, a, science, a scientist and park scout venture deep in, in the forest for a routine equipment run. All right. You only veered off the road a little bit there. Uh, yeah, we're not. Let's, let's not review I my know. reading skills. <laughs> Why well, I like that? I think that's a good bit. So in the earth. Good job. In the earth. There's a guy holding an axe. <laughs> this I feel like this is the better of the two posters. This um, is Ben Wheatley. Yep. Randy, Ben Wheatley. No, that's some chick with her eyes whited out. Ben Wheatley. You did free fire. Um. <laughs> Yes. Oh no, high rise. high rise. I did not like high rise. Yeah, y'all didn't like high rise, right? Nah. <laughs> Can we use that as a drop? <laughs> so, in the earth, um, yeah, so limited theaters opening Friday the 16th. Also opening on Friday the 16th. I don't know why this title sounds familiar to me for the sake of Vicious comes to select theaters. We talking Sid? <laughs> I mean, maybe, was it, maybe it was released to streaming during locked. I don't know. Um, an overworked nurse returns home to find a maniac hiding out with a bruised and beaten hostage. When an unexpected wave of violent intruders descend upon her home, it becomes a fight for survival. Mm-hmm. I mean, his motorcycle helmet. And the I mean, demon. The masks. I don't. know, Maybe the masks are why it looks familiar. Wait, or wait, we had a banger of a fucking tagline. Nothing good this way comes. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? You, you were gonna back off it? No, I. 
I don't know how to use the mouse. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure um, it's going to be coming to streaming the following Tuesday after it's out. So on the, the 20th, 420. Yeah. <laughs> Do we got a 420 thing here? No. Hey, mama. <laughs> yeah, so limited theaters Friday the 16th streaming 420. So spend your 420 with a home invasion. I'm down. <laughs> Let's go. I'll vape up with you, Clark. Let's go watch it. The Shining is a good movie. <laughs> For any questions, queries, concerns, or comments, please direct us at podcast at overlooktheater.com. Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, the other one. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. It's not in my business what you do on your own personal time. The Overlook Hours available on Facebook is the Overlook Hour. The Overlook Hour is available on YouTube as the Overlook Theater. The Overlook Hour is available on Instagram as the Overlook Theater. And the Overlook Hour is available on Twitter as the Overlook Hour. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Randy. Yeah, we did it. It's only 326. Uh, I'll see you guys at the Balboa for Minions. <laughs> <laughs> see you next week. Every night. Never should have moved next to a graveyard. <sighs> this week's two cents horror story brought to you by Colin Johnson. Also, last week was brought to you by Colin <laughs> Johnson, and I just received a verbal whipping for not mentioning that last week's uh, two cents horror story was brought to you by Colin Johnson. Thank you. Don't let, don't let it happen again. Fuck Randy. <laughs> Dude, he's still worked up from last week, man. I was, oh, I was, I had eye contact locked with him, and I wasn't gonna smile. I'm like, no, no, we got to put our foot down, and he hit the fucking button. That's my weakness. That Alberto clip. Look, he's um, creepy's going through some stuff. It's a dick. Well, look, he got burned on an NFT. <laughs> Because, you know, the NFT is a non-fungible token. Well, he actually got a fungible token. Yeah, you don't even know what you're saying. So, <laughs> he was a little upset. And he's like, where's the end? Also, thank you, Colin. Uh, two-time guest, director of Holy Shit, That Was Scary Part 3, The Cloud. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I just worry. We do this dumb thing, and we get people to write them. And we don't even say who wrote them. Honestly, he's probably happy we didn't mention who wrote it. <laughs> But we were talking about, yeah, for whatever re- what were we watching earlier this week, and uh, I was a little high, and then I came up with a theme song for Holy Shit, That Was Scary Part 3, The Cloud. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> it was pretty good. It was a pretty good theme song. I have no fucking idea. What? Was it YouTube? Do you understand the genius that just flows out of me that's just lost in the ether? That's life. If sometime, If we could just catch it. Just catch the little butterflies, Randy. When were we hanging out? I feel like I haven't like also, run into you all out. week. <laughs> I don't know. See, that's why I see. I did have the rule to where you Wait, know, was, was your camera on? My camera was on the whole time. <laughs> my camera has been on for about three hours, what? and my phone is down to twenty three percent.
<laughs> now we, we it was around 80 percent. that was your punishment what the hell you made that that strict rule for yourself i know but the reason why i have is because i uh what's this application called letterboxd so i um, need to access ooh. it if i could access it through a computer you I can would. can i yep. yes it's bi- actually better on a computer oh <laughs> well, watch the baseball game he, right now. He reached over and he has an Arizona iced tea. He had some sort of cake on a plate. He has a thing of Oreo cookies, cake flavored. <laughs> and he pulled his phone out. And I, I was going to lash him much like Creepy Clark for that. Except I noticed that his screen was recording. What? I know my camera was on. <laughs> I was trying to use this as evidence, dude. Everything that came before, before we hit record. Oh, he's trying to pull a Randy. Also, uh, Russell, I, I looked up on my letterbox to figure out what we were, and we were watching a film that uh, we may talk about this week or we may talk about later. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm guessing by that setup, you don't want to get into it now. Well, we can. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Yeah. Okay. Randy, what's up, babe? How you been? I've been all right, man. What's going on over there? <laughs> I don't know. What'd you do yesterday? Um, I went to the movies yesterday, actually. What did I do besides that? I don't necessarily remember. Uh, cool what'd you invite. Eat? What'd you eat, bro? Fucking dick. What did I eat? Um, I had a slice of pizza after the movie. That was cool. Where? Uh, so I went to the AMC in Emeryville, and they have a pizza, My Heart, next door. Oh, my apologies. It's not great. And it's like a $6 slice, but I don't know. I know. Not a dude. I'll do pizza in my heart when I'm in a pinch. Yeah. And that generally is when I go to the Stanford and it's across the street. It felt good to just like have a slice by yourself after a movie though, you know. Getting back to normal, huh? A little bit. <laughs> Still haven't had I'll, a I'll uh, vaccine, but uh, I'm going out there, man. Are you now what's the deal with that, Randy? Have you, are you trying to get the vaccine? I know I went to Walgreens earlier today to get some toiletries and there was a line around the store. Uh, I assume people were getting the uh, the vaccination. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I'm not uh, eligible until the 15th, which will be, I think, the 15th when this airs. Oh, look at that, bro. What do you mean you're not eligible? Because, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't apply to any of the pre-existing conditions or, like, essential uh, work or whatever. And you, yeah, you are. You're on a podcast, bro. <laughs> yeah, you're essential. Yeah, that's true. I should have I got one months ago. <laughs> Everyone is saying they have a pre-existing condition. Oh, they're yeah. not checking that shit. So yeah. Also, you know, the advice I got was walk up and tell them you're homeless and they'll jab you. Or honestly, what real people are doing is just call the fucking place and be like, "Hey, at the end of your day, if you have any leftover, can you let me know?" And that's how people have been getting it because they're still throwing the shit away. Yeah, true. I've heard that, but I don't know. Randy. I'm not in a hurry. So many of the dumb people we hang out with have already gotten it. There's I know. no reason I, you shouldn't have. I am also not in a hurry, though. Well, like, I don't want the mark of the beast. Like, I'm fine. You know, whatever. I heard but, they, they draw three sixes, and that's where the injectors right in <laughs> We all know you're an anti-vaxxer, dude. <laughs> oh, dude. I haven't had any. That's why I'm so intelligent. I just don't <laughs> do anything. That's why. I get mercury vaccinations, dude. Break thermometers, <laughs> put them in a needle, inject them into my eyeball. We had a... Um, God, I'm, I, I shouldn't tell these stories. <laughs> more, more weird high school teachers. Um, All right, but that that was a chemistry teacher in high school that would uh, let the student play with mercury. 
Uh, what? With their hand? Yeah. <laughs> weird. <laughs> that was a weird laugh you just had. What you you're acting like you knew about it? That? Look how was <laughs> like a beach ball Look size. How slimy it is. That's not real. Yeah. He had a tub. And you just dip your hand in. He's like, go ahead, dunk your head in. No, it was in a jar. <laughs> we had a jar of mercury. <laughs> yeah. Also, my favorite indie band. <laughs> <laughs> jar. Jars of mercury in your head. Oh, train. Now, before we recorded. Right, he cut that up. We uh, reported Chuggy. Oh my! Are God. we ever going to drop that? Uh, drop it in the toilet. No, it was great and flourish. It was your idea. It was perfect. It was great. Well, I mean, look. Uh, Again, Russell's- Chuggy who survived the mall shooting. Uh, no, just for everybody. Here. <laughs> uh, Charles Karegma, <laughs> aka Chuggy, who has been on this show more than I care to admit. Two times live stream. <laughs> <laughs> He's a live streamer on Twitch and Russell. Because he can't just work in silence, he always has to have something going. So he threw on Chuggy's thing right before we started the intro. And Charles was playing. What game is he playing? He's building something in uh, the forest. Valheim. Valheim, I've just been told. Yeah. Which, from what I can tell, is he's a construction <laughs> worker in the 1600s. <laughs> That's what. Yeah. Actually, it's about a dead Viking who's still trying to make it to Ragnarok in between Afterlife. I don't know. It's fucking dumb. Or that. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to build houses along and the way. Charles was interacting with someone he went to high school with, and they were talking about the good old days, as per Russell's request. Yep. And that conversation went nowhere. It was pretty good. And... Russell said something. Now I don't know how Twitch works. So Russell said something about you have a, uh, acquired some amount of tokens, so, and because of this, you can tell Chuggy to sing something. Yeah, when when you are um, following a person on Twitch and you're in their stream, you accrue a type of currency that you can use for whatever things they make up. Usually, it's like unlock an emote, and like on your phone, you'd get like a new type of emoji you couldn't use before. But other people do creative things, like Crayshon. On her live stream, if you uh, do uh, one of the token unlocks, she'll roast you. That's like one of the things she does. And uh, Chuggy, he doesn't really roast people, but he has a make me sing a song for 2000, which is very low. And uh, I had enough. And I'm like, dude, we're hooked up to a recording system. Let's get this. <laughs> and you were like, what song is good for Charles? And the first one came to <laughs> mind was Let's Get It Started by the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> Now, I chose that because A, it's a very popular song, B, it's a very lame song, and C, I figured those two things would equal something Charles could do. I did not, however, (laughs) expect him to know every word of this song and his physical affectations. (laughs) He was into it. And now, of course, Charles immediately threw up a front. He's like, oh, fuck you, Russ, man. You're making me do this. But inside, you could tell he was so excited. Because Chuggy is a performer. He wants to perform. Yeah. And when he saw that the Black Eyed Peas, he even in the middle of performing this karaoke of the Black Eyed Peas, Charles even said, man, the Black Eyed Peas fucking slap. (laughs) (laughs) He was so into character. He had his Fergie bucket ready. He is the Fergie bucket. He got all of Fergie in that bucket, and then he spewed it all on us. My favorite part was I turned off all our mics during it, and then Randy's just like, how much are we listening to? I didn't know he was going to do the whole song. 
I do he he didn't. I think he cut it. He did ninety three percent of the song. Also, I loved when Clark was sitting here scrutinizing the video. You're like, did he pull up a fucking lyric video? I'm like, no, dude. He's clearly building a house while he's rapping. Uh, no, I was just very impressed. <laughs> And there hasn't been many times where I've been impressed with anything that Charles did. All right, let's book him as a guest again. All right. We'll do Charles karaoke. You could do karaoke battles. Chuggy-oki? Chuggy-oki. Chuggy-oki. A little chuggy-oki. That sounds very Japanese. Oh, I know. Chuggy-oki. There goes our show again. I know. (laughs) All right, anything else up top before Randy talks about uh, the things he already forgot he did this weekend? Um, I don't know, Oksana, you got anything? I did go on a jog yesterday morning, too. Oh, did you track it? Uh, yeah. I, How far? Uh, it was like two and a half. Not far. Any incline in the hills? No, this one was mostly flat. Did you mask up? I did, and I got, uh, I think just over ten minutes a mile. So, I'm getting there. That's in now, a mask, goddamn. Now, Randy, let me ask you this: You're uh-huh. running around. What What is your footwear situation? Uh, I got a new pair of New Balance. Oh, Randy, they're good. Randy, that's for the alt right. <laughs> they're Randy. good shoes. I don't care. Yeah, they're good shoes. I don't care for people <laughs> that want to belittle other people of color. That's not what I'm trying to do. I just like their shoes, and they have an outlet near my parents' house, and uh, they were on sale. Oh, the 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 Dublin Pleasanton. Uh, yeah, outlet. what they call the San Francisco Premium Outlets now, even though it's like yeah. forty five minutes from San Francisco. <laughs> I know, <laughs> so weird. That place is man. I worked there on a uh, Black Friday for a pop up store. Yeah, what awful, awful experience that you was. You sound really cool <laughs> when you string all that shit together. I know <laughs> what a colorful life. <laughs> All right, Randy, what you got? So I mentioned I went to the AMC in Emeryville. I went and uh, saw the new movie Voyagers by Neil Berger. It's a PG-13 adventure sci-fi movie. Now, Randy, before you get going on this, you went to an AMC in Emeryville, which is on the opposite side of the bay. Uh, Are they... Does that AMC... Do they have concessions? Concessions were available, yes. Oh, did you partake in their hot dog program? Uh, I did not, no. Because I, uh, I, I was saving up to eat afterwards, even though all I had was one small slice of pizza. Randy, you gotta, you're back in the movies, man. Get a dog. This is, you're not going to get a better movie dog than at the AMC. That's I've heard that. I, haven't, I don't know if I've ever had an AMC dog, so next time I'll, maybe I'll uh, get on the A-list now. A-list is the way to go. How much are they paying you for this spot? I like their <laughs> hot dog program. Now tell me a little bit more about it. Sure. They've got a uh, do fix it your own way thing. You've got like five <laughs> different options that you can put on your hot dog. You can do like flaming Hot Cheetos. You can do a Chili Cheat. You can do... It's been over a year. <laughs> <laughs> they got other options. Sauerkraut. Jalapenos. What do you nice. do? I usually I will go sauerkraut and a brown mustard. And what? That's it? That's all you need. No hot Cheeto? No. I only I'm not am a interested. Child. <laughs> I want to do the hot Cheeto. I would do a hot Cheeto before I had underarm hair. Oh my think outside the box, dude. 
No, I'm in the box. <laughs> I like the box. <laughs> What's in the box? Sauerkraut and brown mustard is delicious inside the box. All right, Randy, get back to violence, Voyager. Ooh, so yeah, Voyagers, we got a star of yoga hosers, Lily Rose Depp. We got a Ty Sheridan uh, and a Colin oh. Farrell. And uh, it, without trying to ruin too much, it's essentially Lord of the Flies in space. <laughs> okay. uh, so essentially, um, they find out that Earth is fucked and uh, we need to go elsewhere <laughs> to colonize. So they find a planet that is habitable, but it's going to take 86 years to get there. So essentially, they start breeding humans uh, specifically designed to go on this uh, voyage. Uh, that will be like the first people there, and then they'll have kids, and then their kids will have kids. And then those will be the people that colonize the planet. Um, and then, yeah. All right, wait, 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 stop, stop. Okay, so just so I understand. The people that they got on the ship, they're expecting their grandchildren to be the ones, so their whole life is just in servitude for their seed to occupy this planet, and they spend their whole life on this stupid exactly. ship. Exactly. And they were That's raised in a lab, essentially, just so they wouldn't know, like, what the outside world was. So they were, like, raised and trained to, like, essentially complete this mission by having kids and having their kids and well, grandkids on uh on the new planet i certainly was not raised inside a lab but i definitely didn't know what the outside world was uh <laughs> going on i feel you brother but, I, but yeah this movie is a, a pg-13 movie and it's uh it's very safe it uh the trailer looks like it it might be kind of horny it's not that horny it's no uh it's no claire denis high life there's no uh there's no fuck box in the movie <laughs> so uh you're making us want to crack up just so you know randy hell yeah but uh yeah i don't know i mean it looks it looks good it's a uh, decently filmed um i don't know i don't like highly recommend it but you know trying to get back to the movies so uh it looked decent and uh yeah it was it was worth a price of admission <laughs> but i wouldn't watch it again you're like this shit ain't very it's only horny. got 29 tomatoes dude. yeah 27 tomatoes just dropped oh man <laughs> they heard randy's review it went down too so randy wh where did where did this go wrong was there just not a whole lot with the, the story here yeah i mean colin farrell and uh ty sheridan they're both good you know and uh lily rose depp is pretty decent in it as well so i mean the acting is is fine but i don't it just turns into lord of the flies essentially and you kind of see where it's going and it's not like yeah. edgy at all you know it's pg-13 and apparently he had a he has like an interview where he talks about like what stuff had to be cut to make it pg-13 that i haven't looked into yet but i don't know the horniness yeah it could have it could have been hornier for sure yeah it totally looks like it should be like a claire denis film but it or it like a sounds... larry clark in space or something <laughs> that's what i that's what i was wanting well i mean visually they're signaling a like thoughtful slow cinema but now I'm watching Oksana go through all the images. It looks like it's a fucking three-part tween novel that's going to be stretched out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Is, is this for the young adult crowd? I think so, yeah. Well, if they're trying to make it PG-13. Yeah. Also, I uh, had my first experience with uh, some, some shithead teens in the theater as well, finally. So that's oh, what going back to the movies gets you. What'd you do? What happened? They were just like 
not super obnoxious, but like they came in late, like probably saw another movie, then sneaked in, snuck into this movie. And then they were just like, I don't know, like making noises during the movie and kind of like laughing and like their uh, cameras like flashed a couple times. Shit like that. <laughs> they're ca- they doing a photo shoot? I don't know. I saw some sort of cell phone screen. I was like in row three and they were behind me a couple rows. So I don't know. There were some some lights that weren't intended to be in the theater. Now, how, how many how many hoodlums are we talking, Randy? I think there was like four. And then there was oh, maybe uh, like five other people in the theater, and it was a huge theater. So we we think we think teens, high school. Yeah, probably like teens. Dudes, girls, mixed. Uh, I don't know. I didn't get a I didn't get a look. They uh, came in late and uh, left early. You know what I'm saying? Non-binary. I understand. Did you think that you were going to have to take violence? <laughs> no. Were you going to have to Odenkirk them? No, when have I ever taken violence? You're going to turn into violence, uh, Voyager. Randy, you made a film <laughs> where you absolutely took to violence. I didn't make the film. I acted in it because as a <laughs> professional actor, that's, that's what you do, baby. Well, as a uh, person who was able to watch the film, I think you did make the film. Yeah. <laughs> you made it, Randy. You made it for me. Also, I cannot help but imagine two kids sitting directly behind Randy throwing popcorn at the back of his <laughs> head. <laughs> I would honestly just move and like not even say anything because I'm a coward. <laughs> nah, this is new Randy, dude. Is it? <laughs> I think so. I don't know if he's changed much. Is there a new? Oh, Randy, you've changed. You're a booze hound now. True. Like the last, you know, when we see you, Randy, let's be honest, your skin's looking a little jaundiced. Is it? So I don't know how hard you're hitting the bottom. I'm trying to get more sun right now, baby. I, I feel you there. I try to get a little sun on the weekends. I think I got a little sunburn. Speaking of being a booze hound, I am drinking a beer right now. What kind? Uh, it's a Drake's Pilsner. Drake's? Get over Drake's, dude. Drake's is Drake's is <laughs> They're good. They're right down the street. And by right down the street, I mean like a mile. Also, you can take that down the street. Voyagers, you can take that down the street. Not that horny. <laughs> what? Wait, explain that. What? what, what <laughs> Who's horny down the street? Because he said Voyagers, you can take that down the street. Yeah, not horny enough. Oh, get get that off oh, my okay. street. I sign off. Another movie you no can uh, Street. Another movie you can kind of take down the street is a movie called Doors that I watched Doors? this weekend. Yeah. Oh, Oliver Stone. Correct. Uh, it's a sci-fi <laughs> movie as well. So I watched two sci-fi movies that I didn't care for this weekend. Um, this is, I think, is an anthology film technically, um, which I didn't know going into it. But uh, essentially, the summary on IMDb says. Without warning, millions of mysterious alien doors suddenly appear around the globe. In a rush to determine the reason for their arrival, mankind must work together to understand the purpose of these cosmic anomalies. Wow, I don't know why I didn't know that word. (laughs) And anomalies, the French film. Yes. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I think the fact that this was a anthology movie didn't work for me at all because... It says, like, you know, they're trying to discover, like, why these doors are here. By the time, like, any of the stories get interesting, it goes to the next story. Oh. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, the writing was kind of all over the place, and, like, tonally, it didn't really work for me. 
And yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, once the like once you started to like get into the characters that were like in each piece, it was like, oh, then now it's over in like five minutes and it's going to like a new thing. So the anthology, did it take the form of like we walk into a door and reality is different? Not really. There were just like four different segments of like people dealing with them in different ways. Oh, dumb. Yeah. It actually it reminds me of that movie that Eduardo Sanchez was a part of. What was that? Portals? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. man. Yeah. That that was another lame sci-fi anthology. Yeah, and like in the summary it says like in a rush to de- to determine the reason for their arrival. I don't I feel like that's very misleading. Like I don't know. I didn't feel like we found anything out. Like there was some cool ideas and like the visuals actually is probably the best thing in this movie. It's like a very good-looking movie. And there's some cool, um, like, effects and some cool, like, sound design and, like, mixing and stuff. But I don't know. As a whole, it didn't, it didn't work for me. But I think it's like a, a $5 yeah. rental on the old uh, VOD over there. Dude, you went straight Rotten Randy. Both the <laughs> films are trending down. It is a bear market in Randy's living room. Yep. That's a new segment, <laughs> Rotten Randy. <laughs> Randy, what were the uh, back-to-back uh, letterbox scores for both of these films, respectively? I think they're both two and a half. Oh, two and a half. That's not bad. What kept them from being a two, if I might ask? Uh, I guess technically, because they both look like really well-made movies, and I didn't like. I didn't hate like the experience watching either of them. Um, but yeah, no, it was just like. A little underwhelming, both of them. I, I feel like it. two is and like, I got to really dislike it for a, a two or less. Yeah, but, you know, the movie's looking good. A lot of that just has to do with money, which is why I don't, you know, when you compare it to like an indie film that actually has a good story, but doesn't look great. Yeah, yeah, it, it's tough. So what's the two, Randy? Carnival Magic? <laughs> Probably. Maybe lower. Dude, the cinematography was great in that film. Also, Randy, let's go to Ghost Town Brewing. You were talking about a brewery. I I fucking like all their shit. I want to go over there. I'm down. Yeah, it's not too far. You can't do nothing without me, bro. I'm coming. No, I I had a... Fuck, what was that beer I got for isolation? Cryptid? Cryptid. It just had a a VHS logo of a Loch Ness monster on there. They get it. I love them. Hell yeah. All All right, here you go. No. Do you love cryptids or crypto more? Cryptid. I, I would love a cryptid crypto. Cryptid, crypto. Mint that token. Mm. Make it fungible. I'm down. The uh, right, the right. Shattuck Cinema is open now too, so maybe we can make a make a day out of it. I was like, is, is the California open? Oh, you know, I didn't check, but maybe. I love. I think. California. Wait, which one? I think Shattuck? Landmarks. Well, actually, that's false because uh, Shattuck is where we saw digging up the marrow. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought that was the. Whoa, no, California the, is where I uh, we saw uh, where Tarantino. I, what story were you about to drop? No, well, I was going to say where I forced y'all to go see oh, okay, Tarantino. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that cryptid beer is good. Okay, sorry, Randy. I had to bring that up because I know it's down by you, too. Yeah, yeah, it's super close. All right, Randy, you got anything else, bad? Nah, that's it. This weekend, I decided to take in a film festival. That film festival was completely curated by myself and also the director because it's one person. It's I did a Tim so Okay, there you go. <laughs> I wanted to see 
Funny Face by Tim Sutton, as Randy talked about it last week. But I was like, you know, I I haven't seen all the other movies. So I wanted to see all the other movies in chronological order, Randy. And that's what I did. Starting off with Pavilion, 2013, by Tim Sutton. Then we go to Memphis, which I think is a year later, maybe two years later. Then that goes in to Dark Knight, which we've talked about a lot on this show. Probably a little bit more today, as we also talk about it in the interview. Then Donnybrook, then Funny Face. That is Tim Sutton's filmography. Here's what I'll say, man. I think my problem with Donnybrook, let's start there, because the first three films are all... I don't know if he's ever said this like a trilogy, but they're all very similar in uh, the style of it. T- Tim Sutton is a master of minimalism. That's what I'm going to call it, because all three of these films are all very different. However, the aesthetic is the same and you as a viewer feel like you're a part of what's happening on the screen because it's not a documentary. However, the way that he shoots his subjects and sometimes even interviews them you as the viewer feel like it's a documentary even though everything is constructed purely by tim sutton so that's why that's why i cut that's why i think that people were overly harsh at times with uh bloody nose empty pockets because they sort of ran into the same thing even though on their behalf they they went into more marketing as a documentary opposed to where Tim Sutton isn't. So I'm sort of digging myself in my own hole that way. But regardless, uh, those three films are all very similar in that aesthetic. And then the fourth film he made, which came out 2018, Donnybrook, that was an adaptation of a novel, uh, which he wrote and directed. And so this is the first time where he's gone into more of a traditional narrative film. And, Donnybrook is, I would put it at the number five, if I was to rank his filmography. And I understand but people not liking Donnybrook because it's a very grim movie. It's essentially a Greek tragedy um, that's, you know, wrapped up in this uh, deep fried Rust Belt, uh, you know, tough times, uh, fentanyl, crystal meth America. So, um I, that's why I sort of in the interview sort of compared it to uh, Antonio Campos's um, Devil All the Time, where you've got a guy who has a distinct style, and he has procured a fan base that enjoy that uh, style, and he sort of goes away from it. So I think that uh, even though I mean I would Devil All the Time is a better film. Than Donnie Brook. Donnie Brook was just too one note. It was too grim. Randy, you also watched Donnie Brook this weekend, yes? Yeah, agreed. It's uh, definitely my least favorite of his. I mean, I do look. It looks beautiful. Like yep. you know, he he. I believe the same. He believe he's got the same cinematographer on all of these projects. Uh, at least in the first three, he does. Um, it looks great, and I. I, I'm fine with a grim movie, but this one, it just didn't have, it was too monotonous 
in its destination and, and pursuit. It it just didn't offer me enough anything else. Frank Grillo is tight though. <laughs> Frank Grillo can he be a good guy? Also, rush your boy from uh, Bottle Man. But no, what's that movie? Bottle called? Man. <laughs> bye bye man. Goodbye man. Bye bye man. The other one. Empty man. Empty man. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> bottle man. Well, they do the bottle. <laughs> Spoiler. Call the him. bottle. Do the bottle. <laughs> James Badge Dale. Uh, also, yeah. nope. he dies very anticlimactically. See that scene alone? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so regardless. I think Funny Face is the newest release, which has sort of got me down this whole road with Tim Sutton. And Funny Face is sort of the combination of a traditional narrative with his uh, minimalistic style. So I think that he sort of found this happy marriage where in the first three films, there's no recognizable actors in these films and sort of, and he's taking real life situations and sort of putting his own spin on it. But however, you know, as the viewer, we're wondering what's where, what is any, it seems very real. And so I think that's part of the mistake that he has built in the first three films. And with funny face, we sort of get that. However, you know, we do have recognizable faces. You know, Johnny Lee Miller plays this gangster mayor who has daddy issues. And then we've got Rhea Perlman and Dan Hedaya and Victor Garber. So like these are all recognizable faces. So, you know, it's movie town. It's not, (laughs) you know, um, however, the best part about funny face and believe me, I really enjoy funny face and I think it's, it's one of his better films. My favorite part is reading the user reviews of funny face. One just says this, my favorite one just says, this is a bad waste of a mask. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't even do anything. That's and the mask was really good. The scenes of it like falling are so good too. Yeah. We talking Jim Carrey. (laughs) I don't know. Jim Carrey mess is, <laughs> you know, I've never seen that movie. You know, the way, because I've been listening very closely to your, uh, Tim Sutton run through again, he's a director that made a huge impact on me in such a way that I have yet to watch anything else he's ever made. Cause I do that. Same. I did the same until, you know, two days ago. And what your pitch kind of felt like highbrow Larry Clark, where it's kind of like, you know, what what are we doing? These are non-actors. Is it scripted? It feels right. natural for them. So I, I again, I, you know, I watched five films, so I'm trying to like I get it. paint the best I can without going into film by film. So I'll say this: watch Memphis, yeah, and Pavilion for sure. Those are the first two. Um, I Pavilion is just over an hour long, and it's his first film, and it's about. Um, teens okay and uh this kid is moving from upstate new york to uh, arizona yeah it feels larry clark pavilion (laughs) yeah no no (laughs) for sure no pavilion absolutely feels larry clark memphis does not i love memphis okay so memphis is what doesn't even look like it i just pulling it up uh willis earl haley i believe is the man's name 
um, who is the main protagonist in, yeah, Willis Earl Bell, excuse me. Willis Earl Bell is a, or Beale, probably Beale. Beale Street, even though it's spelled differently. Allie McBeal Street. (laughs) This guy is an actual musician. The film opens up. We are in a a TV studio. They are filming a television magazine show. And wait, what? That's what they. That's what you call them. Like an interview show is a a television magazine show. Yeah. So Wilson Bill shows up, and he's got his cool guy musician hat on. And he's just talking to the cameras, and he's like, "Is this is this for television? Is this for television?" Is it? Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> "Oh, that's cool." And then he sits down, and the interview. Now this is a real interview. Yeah. And the because they're shooting the film of him filming this television show, and the interviewer says, "You know, how do you feel about you know we your new record out, and now you're star of a feature film." Did you think this would happen? And he said, yeah, I did. I envisioned it and it happened. And then he goes into this insane season one true detective sort of Matthew McConaughey space log and welcome to Memphis. Like we're, we're, we're going okay because this guy's a maniac and it's, it's fantastic. I, and we see the slow, um devolving of his psyche and his confidence and is uh becoming homeless as it seems but it's not it's not nothing is heavy-handed with Tim Sutton like everything is sort of like you figure it out which i love so now that one i now again making a critical uh uh proclamation based on photos i just saw on imdb that read sean baker to me is it like florida project-esque where like the location isn't a character well not really it's it not not so much uh he is very much this also the surrounding cast is very very good all right he's there's there's a guy who he helps out a lot, and there's a reveal, so I don't want to say anything about that. Man, I just... Randy, I really thought that you had seen this, because I thought that you had recommended it to me years ago. If I did, I completely blacked out and forgot. <laughs> That's because you're drunk. <laughs> Memphis is great. I also think <laughs> Memphis is uh, Robbie's favorite. Uh, Rob, Robbie's a big fan. But uh, I, hey, what the fuck does Robbie know? I He's would, stupid. Russ, I think he would dig <laughs> Memphis. I think Memphis is a good starting point. Also, you know, with your Larry Clark fascination and, and teen cinema as well, I highly recommend Pavilion. Yeah, Larry Clark also to Sean good. Baker. Also, when I was watching, um, I was Instagramming all of this as well because I have attention problems. And when I posted that I was watching Pavilion, uh, Mike Keegan said, good, good movie. And then I posted that I was watching uh memphis he said another great movie so mike keegan was a fan of tim Sutton. that was it i thought you were gonna post another one he's like garbage movie i was yeah no i think donnie he, brook he's like uh you fucked up i think he lost interest <laughs> which i understand i mean it was you know posted five straight movies a weekend yeah but um this was great i think watching it in chronological order was the only way for me to do it um i was going to skip over Dark Knight, but I was like, what's the point? Why not? I figured because Dark Knight was sort of the 
the the sort of the end of that, you know, Tim Sutton before he went into, you know, more uh traditional narrative with Donnie Brooks. So I figured I had to watch Dark Knight. All right. What was the uh was great. what was the schedule for the Clark Little Film Fest? Like what time did you start? Well, I broke it up Friday and Saturday. So oh, okay. I watched um a two day event. Yeah. Friday night I, I knocked out Pavilion and Memphis and then yesterday was Dark Knight, Donnie Brook and Funny Face. Cool. <laughs> All right. That's it. I also watched Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> Three and a half stars. Okay. <laughs> Reba McIntyre plays a uh, mermaid named Trish. Oh, dude, I can't wait to check that out. Also, Reba McIntyre looking good. I mean, it's probably CG Reba McIntyre. <laughs> how, how old is Reba, Oksana? How old is Reba McIntyre? She's almost like 65 years old. Age. 66. Re- oh, 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 pretty, pretty good. That's pretty good for 66. Look at that. I wouldn't take that down the street. He's vaping while he's talking right now, Randy, just so you can uh, <laughs> so cool. really linger in it. Yeah. <laughs> Again, not my fault. You blame Tito. All right. All right, Rust Dog. Well, I had my own film fest, and I watched 28 movies that were all way smarter and cooler than everything you watched. Your insecurity is just... I don't know. Um, oozing all over the place. You, you sucked my energy out. I'm like... Ugh. Why? Because I watched a movie that you need a lot of energy to talk about. Oksana, you ready to pull it up? I watched a movie. uh, Again, we talk about our third chair. R.I.P. Justin Coop. He's not dead. He's alive. He's he's doing well. He's got a family. And in (laughs) 2017, he interviewed a dude named Timmer, who uh, had he had made a video for his band that featured a uh, Mad Max style world where. They were killing pig people, um, high action. And we open up and there's a truck. It's got some pig people in there. They get out, they get shot in the head. Then they open up the back of the truck and there's a, a large amount of large people in the back because in this world, he, the human pig hybrids are eating humans and uh, our characters are fighting them. Well, at the time he was talking about how he wanted to turn this into a feature film. He did a Kickstarter. I think they got like 11 grand. They were looking for a hundred. That was in 2017. Well, yesterday while we were waiting for a uh, chuggy to come over to watch drag. No, that was after. I think we were waiting for somebody to come over so we could catch up on drag race. We uh, had time for a feature film and we jumped on Amazon prime and I saw fucking bullets of justice on there. And I went, wait, that that's done. That got made. And, uh, on the cover, they had a, the one and the only Danny Trejo looking more corpse-like than ever, but in the style of they knew what they were doing. And I'm like, we got to watch this. And everybody's looking at the poster like, I don't know, man, a blind watch on Amazon Prime. We've come over here and we've done that before and it rarely does it pay off. And I'm like, no, no, no. Justin interviewed this guy four yeah, years this was, ago. This isn't a blind watch. And uh, they're like, and <laughs> like we've talked to a lot of people. And I was like, dude, trust me. Let's just go into it. Oh, man. This movie fucking rips. It's so good. It's incredibly un- entertaining. It's an hour 20. And um, I, oh, man, how, how would I pitch this film? It's got that, 
it's a little bit like Velocipasture, except Velocipasture, that movie's got a lot of um, heady jokes in it. This one, well, it's kind of like Machete, except I'm not a huge fan of Machete because it's also got like a lot of jokey humor. Yeah. This one is more like, um, oh, what what are some other movies like uh, Machete? Like the Thanks Killing. No, no, Action. That are doing like the um, retro kung fu. Black Dynamite. Black Dynamite's a good one. It's a lot like Black Dynamite, where the action in this film is it's enough. You would watch the movie just to to see it. It's a spectacle on screen. Also, there's a ton of gore, and there are a lot of pig people, which is important if you're a horror fan. Because I think one of the things that people ignore about Star Wars is just... They really doubled down on making that world feel populated by its fantasy. This movie feels like it's a fucking forgotten town in the middle of Australia that's just been like in real life left alone for decades. And they brought a bunch of extras in and put them in pig suits. It feels so big as a movie that I'm shocked I haven't heard anybody talk about it. Um, the comedy is there. They have a lot of visual bits and they also make fun of the narrative of actually the genre of action like it took me a minute to realize that their hyper titillating sex scenes were actually a bunch of body doubles which having said that now when you go into this movie you're gonna be like how did that ever fool you but the editing is so seamless and fuck um who who's the lead is that the actor or the, or the writer or the director timo that's the producer that's the dude that uh justin talked to this motherfucker dude it's so good. Clark, I think you would dig this movie. Um, have you been going through the photos up here? Okay. Also, um, I guess this film came out of that music video I mentioned earlier. I failed to mention that it went viral in Russia. Oh. So if you go on, if you, go on YouTube, you can find it. And um, I think it's been taken down and reposted, but it's got like 285,000 views in Russian. Like it's overdubbed. I haven't actually found an American version of it, but well, what's Rotten Tomatoes saying? Now, Russell, um, sorry, can you scroll back down? Oh, to, we're, we're rotten on this one. Uh, Bobby Lapierre says, this is one of the worst films of the year. Yeah. One out of ten. I, I don't know how you watch this movie <laughs> and come away with that. He probably, so again, we watch this with Terrell and um, Chuggy, and I think that's an important gauge. <laughs> Because Terrell is a you know horror fan. He's been watching indie horror for decades now. And you start to you start to build a bias based on the material element. And when the cover has a giant center fucking Danny Trejo, that always reads low studio where not a lot of money. They had enough to get him in there. He probably showed up for two days. He's gone, and the rest of the film is an afterthought. And um this movie's a little bit of that. Danny Trejo's not in there a lot, but what they what they have him for makes complete sense, and he's good in it. Oxon, am I am I wrong with any of this? No. What'd you think? Give us the female perspective of Bullets of Justice. <laughs> Don't put me on the spot. <laughs> Did you like the piggies? Oh, the, the all the pigmen looked great. Um, the special effects were great. It's I mean you can tell that a lot of it, or at least some of it, is probably green screen, but like. Oh, for sure. It does not take away from the movie at all. I mean, we open this film with a a shootout in a, a derelict village and a 
pig on a jetpack comes in, starts fighting him from the air, and then as he's running away, his jetpack opens up and there's a little man in it who continues the fight while they're turned around. It's fucking great. Smart. It's not it's it's not a film that you laugh at. It's a film you laugh with. It is on Amazon Prime and it is it's streaming. I know all y'all have Amazon Prime. Watch this one. Also fucking incredibly breezy. Dude. Shot in Bulgaria. I mean that's why it, I don't know. I re- I I so I haven't And Kazakhstan. I need to reschedule my creative week. This is the thing I was talking to Oksana about. I have a work week Monday through Friday. Very grateful to have the weekends off. My creative week is like a fucking day off though. Like because oh man, because Friday we do drag race and Saturday I play D D. It's kind of my creative weekend. And then today is my Monday. I should have done more research on this shit because I'm sure there's a lot to know about this. We do have that interview Justin did from four years ago. If you want to look it up on the Overlook blog, but I'm going to try and get this director. Uh, we got to talk to this fool. And Clark, if you got time during the week, we should watch it. I'm I'm dying to rewatch this movie. Eh. Well, yeah, I know. I knew you'd be like that. You and your highbrow Tim Sutton film fest. <laughs> Now, for a Randy, Randy, I wouldn't recommend this one for you. I know you don't like to laugh, and honestly, if you chuckled, it would catch you uh, off guard. You said pig on jetpack. <laughs> that's right up Randy. I mean, this movie's gnarly. It's fucking gnarly. There's a lot that goes on. It gets gory. It gets hot. I'll t- I it's think horny. They, they have body doubles in here. That d- Did you get that, Oksana? Like, did no. you notice? No. It, halfway through the movie, I was like, Wait, that dude doesn't have those abs. And normally in like fucking Black Dynamite or something, yeah. they they use that as a punchline, yes. the kind of cut. That's the the tone of this movie. Is everything is played straight. And like this is cool and we believe it. And the thing is it is pretty cool. It's also fucking ridiculous though. All right. Dude, I mean, how's Danny? Oh, he's good. He plays a uh, gravedigger mentor character. Is he barely in it? He he's a flashback. He plays our lead's dad, who is clearly a, a different race, and it doesn't bother them because you know when we're in the apocalypse, we don't worry about these things. Also, did you say the uh, tagline of this film? No. What is it? I'm telling you, dude. Oink oink, motherfucker! Wow, that changes, man. <laughs> Scroll through. Do we have another poster? That honestly, that would have been a warning to me if I jumped into it. This is the original one from the music video. Um, I know you, we don't get any audio through your computer. Can you just pull up the music video so Clark can see it while I'm talking at him? Um, like I, I don't know if you noticed, but that uh, the two kids there. Yes, we have both genders. Uh, one of them has a mustache. Yes, it is not the little boy. Correct. Uh, that is a uh, MacGuffin in the film, and I would say that's about as jokey as they get. But I kept thinking of um, oh god. This? Yeah, yeah, play it. Just so he can see the visuals. Because I really think it's I don't even have to sell it at all once you see the the quality level. But um what what the hell is that movie I'm thinking about? Strange Nature. Nature? Was that it? The frogs. Where we had a uh another female character with the mustache that we all were like signed. No, it wasn't Strange Nature. Strange Wilderness with Steve Zahn. No, it was Happy Medicine. No, um we, we had our buddy on here. Fuck, he filmed it in Austin. 
and they tore down everything right after. Oh, oh, yes. It's not strange. The name of the picture is... Fuck. (laughs) I've got the... Jim is Jim Hickox. It's Jim it Hickox. was Jim Hickox. I can't remember the name of the movie though. Was oh, it, well. it wasn't bad biology or anything, was it? No, no. no. And the thing is, I always group those films together. Yeah, because like, they're, yeah. they're kind of like yeah, yeah. whatever. Jim, <laughs> we've done this show for too long. <laughs> I can't remember shit. Yeah, Randy. You know what, Randy? Give it a try. You'll turn it off in ten minutes, and then you can uh, soft matter. Soft matter. There we go. I always, I always have a hard time remembering that title for some reason. But Oksana, what would you think? Thumbs up. Yeah, I, I want to rewatch this. You know what? Everybody's getting the jab. We're all getting the vaccine. This is a movie, the Fauci Alchi, that you want to watch with the group. Randy, was that you? They're playing outside your window. Uh, I, I live right underneath the freeway, so you might be hearing freeway sounds. It's hot in my <laughs> house today. I had to open the window. Yeah, it's a little hot here, too. Freeway sounds. Also, Oksana, you're playing the trailer instead of the music video. I asked you if it was the right one. I know, but I was busy talking. All right, you got anything else, Pep? Um, Honestly, I don't think I watched anything else. I could talk about Drag Race a little bit if you nope. want that. Well, we had Randy's girl on there, Scarlett Joe. She came. Uh, this week, the queens were doing a green screen movie where they get shrunk, and she... Uh, tuned in via TV because, you know, COVID, you know, the whole thing, the pandemic. And she gave them advice on how to act via green screen. Mm-hmm. It was cute. Well, she knows because he is Black Widow. Yeah, that's what they said. Oh, Black Widow. And she's dead. And who is she dating, Randy? Because some dude. She's popped- not dating. She's married to Colin Jost from Saturday Night Live. Jost? Colin yep. Jost. He's like a boring fucking white dude. I like Colin. <laughs> He's funny. Sharp. He popped in. He popped in and made a very Randy joke, and then everybody laughed. And they're like, "Oh!" And I was like, "Who the fuck is that dude?" He's a uh, Vonderkund writer at Saturday Night Live. Excuse what Nazi? <laughs> <laughs> Please get that going. I know. <laughs> I just heard he's alt right. We got to cancel that fool. Uh, <laughs> Probably got blood and issues. I like Colin Jost. Not a Nazi. Hashtag not enough. All right. So enjoy the interview which we had with Christian. Uh, Russ, what did you think of that interview with uh, the sweet little baby boy? 19 years old. Um, I think I'm stressing you out because I get too comfortable in these interviews now. At one point, I tried to cross my legs on my chair and sit back. And when I pulled my shoe up, I think I stepped in poop. And what? I just, <laughs> yeah, dude, you want to see it? I was, so I was sitting up here like this. Where, in the house you stepped no, in ch- poop? No, check it. You know, I was like this, like kind of like chill. I'm like, you know, we're just talking. Yeah. You know, I fancy myself a wannabe intellectual. So I'm just like, here, let me make up some shit about Twin Peaks. Um, <laughs> especially when you're talking to a 19-year-old that's already made something better than we could ever do. Uh, so here, let me take my shoe off. I pulled it up. Oh, wrong shoe. I pulled up my shoe and I went, is that poop? Uh, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> it's probably poop. But look, it's like all up on the side and shit. I think it's dirt. I hope it's mud. It, mm, the reason why I want to say it's poop is the, the clumps look poop adjacent. The, the smell you is probably smell gone. You, pro- you probably won't smell it. The clumps shit. is funny, by the way. 
Faith's gone. That's what I just heard. So enjoy our talk with Christian. Randy, take us home. Yeah, he also gave me an idea for a good double feature with uh, different strokes, the bicycle man and then bicycle thieves. (laughs) (laughs) Randy, if we book that at a movie theater, will you intro it? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Wait, wait, let's just make that happen. I don't care if anybody shows up. We'll go Little Roxy. We'll get Randy up there. To string together a introduction to the bicycle thief. Oh, the tandem bicycle double bill. Oh, dude. Randy, tandem Randy. <laughs> Randy tandem. Randy. Yeah, there's something there. We'll get it sponsored by the brewery down your street, Randy. <laughs> That's the best thing you've said. All right. Goodbye. Yeah. No, I'm in a weird mood. Why? Because I just watched Girls Night again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Christian. Oh, uh, no worries. What's up, Christian? I'm I'm glad you're here. Have you have you checked out the show as a uh, fair warning before talking to us now? Uh, yes, I have. I've listened to uh, quite a few of your guys' episodes. Uh, oh. the f- I remember the first one I listened to was uh, the interview with Slasher Victim 666. <laughs> Yes. Being one of the most like wild interviews I have ever listened to. <laughs> so that was very entertaining as real has been a film I've been trying to find for like years because I like I found it when I was like much younger. I was kind of like obsessed with the poster. And then like <laughs> then, like a year like like last year, like I wanted to like find the movie, but I couldn't find it anywhere for a long period of time. It was not available. But now it's free on Vimeo, as, I, as I'm aware. So I'm planning to finally watch it soon. But yeah, no, I saw you interview the real guy. And props for him for like being in character for that long. Like I can't even commit that long to the bit. So good job <laughs> on him. <laughs> so Christian, we've, we've talked to Slasher Victim 666 multiple times uh, via uh, talking like we're talking to you, interview form, mm-hmm. you know, audio, also email. Every single time it's in character. We don't know the guy. We we don't know his real name. We have an idea, but we can't confirm it. It's it's just him as this character. That's all we know. Prepping for that episode was really weird, too, because I I knew he wasn't going to break. And me and Clark, we we sat down and we talked about like, what are we going to do? Because, you know, Christian, did you you joined us for a 24 hour, right? Yeah, I did watch that film festival. All right. One of the things I like about the film fest we do, for my own little plug and patting myself on the back, is that we really allow people their own like kind of platform to build their own narrative. Mm-hmm. And we showed um, oh, Antrim. What was that? Of two? I was off of two, which you know is a movie almost made for a film festival circuit. And um, one of the things. Like the premise is it's a faux doc wrapped around a newly discovered film that every time it's played in a theater has killed people or like the theaters. Oh, yeah. yeah I heard about that film. Yeah, it's on Prime, too. Yeah. And so that film, dude, streaming, I don't know. It, the context is all weird and I don't I don't think it works very well. 
But in a film fest, dude, it's great. Even if it if you buy into it even a little bit, it really works. And I remember the director was talking to us about um a film fest they played. I think it was Brooklyn Horror. I don't I put him on blast. I don't care. Where after the screening, he went up for a Q&A and he you know in in that format, he's not the director. He's a producer who found the film. And people were getting mad that he wouldn't answer technical questions about shooting the film. And I think it really burned him. It's a very San Francisco thing. Yeah. And and I mean, Mm -hmm. New York is, you know, our cousin on the other coast. And and he got really burned by it. And he kind of like, I feel like momentum for the film from him slowed down. So when we Mm -hmm. showed it and we leaned into it and we told people we laced their popcorn with drugs, he got, he got really excited. And when we were going into slasher victim, it's like, you know, it, it doesn't help anybody if we try and like make fun. No, and no, I would yeah. never do that. No. Again, if someone's in character yet, yeah, let's have fun. I want <laughs> to have fun. So that, that's the only way to approach them. It is a little rough. It is hard to have fun with that. If you're not prepared though. And you really got to let them lead in an interview format where most of the guests that come on the show are kind of trying to catch up to us. Yeah. It's a really, it was a really weird. And I'm, I'm interested that, I find it interesting that that's the first one you listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like real is like the out of all like I was just searching by like titles and whatnot, and like <laughs> real was the one that like just really stuck out because that was like when I was trying to find the damn movie. And I think that's when I finally discovered it was actually free on Vimeo. Now, did you um go to his website because I think real one is free there, but he's also got a book that there was only one copy of in physical format. Yeah, they, like he wrote like in like uh, quote unquote his real blood or some shit. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. can download that for free. Did you get that? No, I didn't. Dude, how what what's wrong with us? Now, I think that book is the coolest thing ever. It's 50 films that inspired me written in real blood by a dude who will never break character for free and I haven't downloaded it yet. Like, what am I waiting for? I think about it all the time, too. <laughs> I know. I feel like your excuse. <laughs> I, I know. I just like feel like like, OK, if you're going to be like, oh, I wrote in my own blood. Ooh, like, give me like the physical thing. Give me the physical thing <laughs> yeah. to like really spook me, you know, yeah. not an NFT of your blood. Dude. Well, I feel like it would compromise the medium or the format which he chose because it would be like, you know, Xerox fucking blood. It wouldn't it wouldn't be blood. Yeah, I mean, I you can yeah, print it's like, it out. It's like synthetic weed, man. <laughs> yeah, it's salvia. Who wants yeah, that shit? I don't know that's Yeah, and plus, if this dude's like actually like so much of the character that he's actually writing his own blood and like making multiple copies, that dude will probably fucking die. Like, <laughs> now I think you know, slasher victim is a living metaphor for kind of like the shallow, um, fame-driven monsters mm-hmm. we become on on you know social media. So I don't think he wrote it in his own blood. I, oh, I think he'd sure, be out yeah. of character. It'd have to be in his victim's blood. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, were you able to catch Real 2 at the fest? Uh, unfortunately, no. That was like the one I wanted to watch the most was Real 2, but I couldn't catch it, unfortunately. I tried to catch as much as I could from the festival. Yeah. And there's some really joy. I loved uh, Murder, Death, Korea Town. That was yeah. probably my favorite out of the entire festival. The I Am Sophie Supercut. Oh yeah, was wild as hell because I wasn't aware of the RNG beforehand. So like, it was like a whole new trip for me. And I think like as a movie, it works so much better. Yeah. Now you're a man who made a a film 
based in like the parameters of a uh, medium, like the sitcom. Mm-hmm. And our, we had a long, me and Madeline talked a lot about I Am Sophie because I almost thought it would play better if we broke it up and allowed it to live in its original format. Because I mean, to, to cut that thing down to be a feature, we basically removed the tail end. I believe in, you know, like YouTube videos, they kind of like ring out and they have that very distinctive, mm-hmm. like, oh, watch these other videos. It was what, two hour runtime? Yeah. Two hours with the cut down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you, do you think it would have, how would it have played if we would have left in its original, like individual video format? Just- A reverse Snyder cut, if you will. There you go. I don't know. For <laughs> me, like why, like the feature cut worked so much was that like, I was get this like dreadful sense of like repetitiveness with like oh, the yeah. intros and whatnot. Like that was all already nightmarish seeing like her stupid YouTube intro over and over and over <laughs> again. And like it created this like extra sense like, okay, something's got to go down. Something's wrong. And like, I feel like if you just kept it like playing it throughout, it kept repeating these things. It got me more nervous that something might pop up, which when shit hit the fan in that movie, when it does, it's just so much more effective because I went through excruciating YouTube bullshit and just like waiting for something to happen. And finally, just like things like just like turn upside down real quick. So for me to have that effective repetitiveness was was what really made it uh, for me and what made it probably uh, like my favorite experience out of the festival. And seeing like the whole thing um, uh, unfolding. Now, where are you located? Uh, I am currently living in Vancouver. Uh, I used to live on the island. Vancouver. Do you know a gentleman by the name of Steve Cosmic? Steve Cosmic. Uh, Dude. What what is he made again? Because I know there's there's a film festival, uh, Fake Blood. That was like literally filmed in Vancouver Island. It filmed in Langford, where I used to work at. I don't know how I'm going to be able to find this guy. So Steve Cosmic is a guy. Mm. See, it's a simple question. Who is Steve Cosmic? But the answer is <laughs> much more complicated than that, Christian. Okay. But when we, 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 we do a lot of deep dive um, Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. Found him. Okay. So this guy did a... Russ, can we call it a film? Sweater Girls? I think you're talking to the dude that would call it a film. Okay. Girls Night and Sweater Girls could be a double feature. Oh, that's a (laughs) home run of a double feature. Uh, Yeah, he did something called Sweater Girls, and it was about... um, Oh, I I can't wait to hear what you say it's about. Basically like how women did in the 50s with the pointy boob thing. (laughs) It's mostly that. Huh. But it's done in a very unique way. Yeah, like that Metropolis broad on the cover of that movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> very, yeah. <laughs> it's his take on Metropolis. But uh, see, he also did uh, Bikini Babes Countdown. I, I don't know any of these. I'm actually shocked I found him on IMDb. No, he did a short called Romeo and Juliet with Herpes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think we're we're... We're misrepresenting Sweater Girls because to me, this reads like a dude who made a real movie got called a pervert because he probably, he is clearly. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. 
I don't judge. Then he tried to like shift into comedy. Because if you look on here, Sweater Mm -hmm. Girls Comedy Cold Read, Sweater Girl Comedy COVID Comedy. (laughs) (laughs) COVID Comedy? Jesus fucking Christ. A Sweater Girls COVID Comedy. (laughs) I fucking hate it. No, so Sweater Girl, we watched it mainly because I think Clark was really turned on by these girls in sweaters with the pointy boobs. What are you going to do? And it's one of those things where it's kind of like a fashion piece and they're it's just awkward. They shouldn't be on film. You know, we get real mm-hmm. Tim and Eric vibes, which we all enjoy here. And then it cut to them in somebody's kitchen and they're sitting around and they reflect on the video they just shot, which has nothing. It couldn't be more shallow. And they spend a lot of time in this kitchen talking. And then we cut back to the street. And I believe they're in Canada too, Vancouver, right? That's where I didn't even mm-hmm. know Vancouver was an island. So pardon me in my geography. You and can't I'm- name 25 of the 50 states. No, there's, I, there's there's Vancouver, the mainland, and then there's Vancouver Island. So is he on the island? Is he on the island? I gotta watch the movie to uh, decipher. Yeah, what I know he was by a bunch I of don't, water. I don't. I well, if you remember, we watched <laughs> Sweater Girls uh, with um, Lee and Chris, mm-hmm. our Canadian friends, and Chris had spent some time in Vancouver. That's right. And I believe he confirmed that this was the mainland. Okay. okay. <laughs> I do pay attention sometimes. You know, I can't find it right now. It was on Amazon Prime, and it, a, a weird cut, like a short weirder cut, was on YouTube. I'm going to send it to you, Christian. I think you'll Okay, do. please do. Anyway, please Steve, do. Steve Cosmic, he, we really latched on to him and learned to love him, because after watching this weird voyeur rampage through somewhere Vancouver, at the very end of the movie, there's like a what there was like a pan or somehow it revealed who was behind the camera. And it was a very grotesque old man. And it was, it just flipped everything we had watched. And he had New York football giants socks. on. (laughs) What the? Well, it felt like three girls who were just kind of fucking around. And then you're like, Oh no, there's a ringleader. And his name is fucking Steve Cosby. (laughs) Yeah. We got to send that to you. Wow. What a tangent. Ever uh, heard of the filmmaker Lucifer Valentine? I do know him. Yeah, uh, of the Vomagore trilogy. He gives me like the same vibe for some reason. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, do you have the Vomagore trilogy? Uh, yes, I do. You don't have to be ashamed. I also have it. Yeah. And one of my favorite things, I've, oh, I've thought about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people don't know, Vomagore trilogy, it's... Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, Christian, how would you describe it? Okay, how I described it, how I pitched to my buddy because I wanted to finish the trilogy. I really rewatched. I, no, I rewatched. I watched um, Reed Gortz's Sacrifice and Slow Torture Puke Chamber back to back last night. Rad. And how I pitched it to my friend who hasn't seen Vomit Dolls, aka the only good one, was um, their avant garde fetish films. Ooh. And. And particularly the first one is very much an avant-garde artistic piece that just happens to be a fetish piece. While the other two films are like straight up like gore porn. Yeah. So that's how I would best describe it. And also basically all the films are like made by like the most mentally insane director I have ever discovered. Now, Lucifer Valentine, is he like, is he faking it? I can't tell. I don't know much about him. Oh, no. I think that the dude's like very genuine. Like, if you ever read his, uh, the interviews, yeah. They, um, there was some people, and to be honest, I'm not really comfortable just like quoting just like casually <laughs> what he said because they're really fucked up. 
Um, he is a really deranged person that like clearly just like loves seeing like all this like fucked up shit and like a weird pleasure sense and especially do whatever hell he wants is like his like main uh actresses and like this is all stuff you can look up make sure your parents aren't around or your roommate (laughs) or that you're researching lucifer valentine because it's gonna put you in a very very deep rabbit hole yeah lucifer valentine he's he's interesting anybody who gets into a battle with steven byro over the context of their film like the content mm-hmm. you got you got a character byro was trying to edit yeah. him well no byro put it out he did a the trilogy which i own yeah. and um i i will admit that uh, i have a little friend out here who likes to remain anonymous because he's He's the one that showed me like unearthed and he brought me into the cat three world. Is his favorite letter Q? No. Okay. Actually, I don't know. No, he's super like left. You know, the mm. thing is he, he, you know, he's the type of dude who like hides a few of his movies because, you know, if a girl ever comes over, it'd be detrimental for her to stumble upon slaughtered vomit dolls. Just gotta find the right girl, dude. And, but I will tell you, man, I, which, which is the second in the trilogy? Uh, regurgitated sacrifice. So in that movie, uh, we get a, uh, a beautiful moment with uh, the Sasuke twins. Oh boy. They don't like it when you bring this up now. I mean, for obvious reason. Yeah. But uh, again, like Christian b- put it beautifully. It's kind of like art house porn fetish shit. And uh, they're on a bed with this girl and like, you know, people are topless and they're like kind of fighting, like touching. And, and one of the twins hits her with the phone in the face. And I'm talking a rotary phone. And that's made an impact on me. I, I, I love that moment. So, and it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like kind of creating this like fake environment and everybody's playing around and then a real phone connects with the face and you can hear it. It like makes a noise like nothing else did. Yeah. And it changes the atmosphere in the room. I don't, dude, actually, Clark, you might like these movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, have you have you heard how uh, Lucifer like literally filmed these? Like he literally like um his film sets were literally just parties. I believe like, it. Yeah, like no joke. Like there'd be like a bunch of people that are not actually working like as a part of the crew, just be there to like hang out to watch Lucifer just filming this. Yeah, that that makes it really weird. I mean, you know, with with um August Underground, I can understand how those films are kind of like a release, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like I gotta let this dark energy out. I didn't get that vibe from here. And then there was a controversy with his documentary, right? Black metal veins. Like, yeah. Wasn't part of that staged? Um, I try to watch it. I did the worst mistake. I was with my, uh, I went back to the island with my uh, best friend and he thought it was a great idea that if we got high on edibles and watch a disturbing oh. movie and we watched like five minutes of it and it almost put us into a bad trip. so we just like stopped and like we watched like veronica instead which was a much better choice but uh yeah but like black metal veins that one i've been i'm planning to uh finally finish soon it's like i watched a little bit more and again i haven't gotten that further into it to say it's rather um staged or not but at least like my final thing i'll say about lucifer valentine is that like though the dude's a bastard (laughs) <laughs> there's there is nothing like his movies you cannot find an other lucifer valentine 
And like, as you said, it was Oxal's Ground, which I have seen the first one and I wasn't very impressed. It's like, yeah, cool. You're doing all this torture shit, whatever. I don't really don't care. But Loser Valentine, he does it in a way because like how, how you said it was like, it's like, oh, it just release like their anger or aggression. Loser Valentine, he presents these things in a way that is like casual. Not, like, oh. it's weird to say, like casual in the sense that like what he's showing makes sense to him especially read the interviews and like all the fucked up shit that he's into. He always like says these things so casually, he never makes it dramatic or theatrical. He always goes. So he's always so casual about all the messed up shit that he has done. And I get that same sense when watching his movies that like all the things that he's portraying on screen is just like, is are things that are amusing to him. And as a recommendation, just watch Fama dolls. That one's like actually good. <laughs> Records hey sacrifice okay, and then slow torture puke chamber just a huge waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny too because you you think of a trilogy like this made by a uh, interesting dude, and you would think they'd be free of like the standard horror franchise problems. Mm-hmm. Yet each film feels like they're trying to up the other. And it, oh, it's precisely, yeah. Right, you start to roll your eyes. And I'll tell you, that's the exact same problem with um, August Underground. The first one you get, and it's like, you know, if I found a real movie and it had mm-hmm. filmed somebody being murdered, like if it was actually found footage, this is probably what it would look like. Like a, mm-hmm. a kind of disgusting dude doing shit I never really wanted to see, but I watched anyway. Mm-hmm. And then in part two, he introduces like a love interest. Like he's there with a the female and it really feels like the outside influence of critiques of how misogynist that first movie was. And mm-hmm. I feel like the only real response you could give is, yeah, that's, that's the point. This movie's supposed to be vile and I'm a dude. And this is, you know what I mean? That's the product yeah. where instead he reacted with, well, now there's a girl involved and it just, it's like, what world are we in now? <laughs> and then uh, it's also a Christmas movie, which is always oh. fun. <laughs> Yeah. Have you watched August Underground, Clark? No. I think you were you were made aware of it before me. Yeah, well, because I'm fucking cool, dude. Because you worked at a video store in Mississippi. I know. Tell you, something. <laughs> you know all the underground stuff there, baby. Not true at all. <laughs> we didn't even have porn, which is good. Really? You didn't have a the the store the company did in certain stores, but not in my location. Thank God. <laughs> Because I had to work in a couple stores that did um, have adult entertainment in the, yeah, not fun. Cleanup involved. No. People go in there and jerk off. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, that's in one of Val- uh, Lucifer Valentine's videos. Oh, yeah? All right. Well, Didn't work. Close to home. <laughs> <Power>. <laughs> that, that question, how old are you? Oh, okay. How old I am? Oh, um, I'm uh, 19. Congratulations. Thank you. I turned 19 um, March 3rd. So last month. Now, Christian, let me. Let me Wait, are up. you joking? I can't tell. No, I'm literally 19. Yeah. Randy, <laughs> you're supposed to vet this shit. We're going to get arrested or something. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about fucking Lucifer Valentine for like 20 minutes. Hey, if someone's getting arrested, I'll be one arrested for talking about Lucifer Valentine, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think this is fascinating because when I was 19, I was just getting into film. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And now that, you know, that's why I'm wondering, like, 
what what's your journey, man? Like who? <laughs> because here's the thing: when when you learn, when you get in, for me, when I got into film. I think working at the video store in college certainly helped because in, in high school, I, you know, I just liked going to the movies and you, you start to learn a couple things here and there. But, you know, every weekend, me and my friends would go to whatever horror movie was out at the mall. Mm -hmm. So that's essentially mm -hmm. what happened, you know, on the weekends. And then, you know, it sort of grew into, you know, a, a love and a, you know, a passion. But so like you being a young guy, what sort of set you on the path where you are now? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I like would have to, yeah, I, I have to give really like why I'm basically here to talk to you guys. I have to basically thank my uh, best friend because we're going to go all the way back to literally daycare. Daycare. <laughs> my, yeah, that's, that, that's where it started. Yeah. Um, my, my friend was already getting into film. He wanted to make movies. So he had this like little camcorder and he'll always force me to act in them. Every single goddamn day, he'll always call me over to act. And usually it was just to like throw shit at me for his own amusement. But um, yeah, we just kept doing it for so long. And like I was, I was, I was already thinking about a, a bunch of other different things. Maybe I'll be work construction or whatever. And but then like I kept being in these movies and just kept being the actor. So an idea sparked in me. It's like, hey, what if I make my own movie? And so I then proceeded to basically make movies by myself to try to understand how it was like for my friend to create these projects and start them. And then that just like created like a whole spark. It's like, hey, I actually really love this. And that's when I started like take films super seriously over the years. I started watching more and more movies. There's so many movies that are just like, influential like um i would say a big one would be like the dark knight like the opening scene alone is like what really got me to movies like yeah i have to make them like the opening scene i still think is like literally like the best thing ever filmed are like, we talking about tim sutton here what <laughs> christopher no, Nolan. the dark Knight. oh okay not the dark dark night, yeah no it's funny yeah, not I, dark I, Knight. yeah have you seen the tim sutton one yes i have seen dark Knight. yeah dude Loved it. you're on it would you would you okay. think of that one? I loved it. I thought it was great. It, it was very much. It was a really good um, captivation piece of like the uh, shooter anxiety during like especially the early like 2010s, oh, and it definitely kind of brought me back to like when those shooters were ramped like how people just felt like very like scared that something bad was going to happen in public, which made like its very mumblecore approach just work so much better because I usually hate mumblecore. But Dark Knight just makes it work of capturing that feeling in a in like a in a certain time period that I could really relate to. But yeah, Dude, Dark Knight was terrific. Christian, so check this out. We saw yes. it in the theater, and oh, on no. the way there, we because we're fucking terrible people. <laughs> we were just walking up the stairs, and we're like, "What if like a a dude showed up in a Batman suit and was, as a cosplay?" <laughs> we're like, "Yeah," and then he had a gun. And then we were like, just kind of laughing. We went in there and sat down and I'll tell you, man, it was fucking uncomfortable. Like I felt like an idiot being like, we're about to watch this in the theater. This movie that's all about like what you said, the anxiety of shooters in the 2010s. And man, it was fucking terrifying. It was. <laughs> yeah. I, I, dude, I actually yeah, watched I it yesterday. I, that's why I brought it because, up. Because um, I decided I was going to watch all of Tim Sutton's uh, films. Mm -hmm. 
in one go. So I, I had a mini, I had a, well, actually not mini because I watched all five of his films. I had a Tim Sutton movie marathon this week. And that was your fourth time watching it? Third, I believe. Does it hold up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would say my, I think Memphis is number one. Then probably, I don't know. I like Pavilion a lot too. Pavilion and then Funny Face, Dark Knight. Damn, it's low for you, Donnie Brook. Did you check out Funny Face, Christian? Uh, Funny Face. I is yeah. that also? I, I I remember hearing you guys talking about that on one of the other episodes. I was really curious to watching it. Yeah, that, Rand was talking about it. Yeah, that I'm really hoping to uh, watch whenever it comes out. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Randy. What last week it came out? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, <laughs> it should be available in Canada. I would believe. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Nice. Well, I'll definitely try to find it since, like, yeah, how you picture Randy really got me intrigued. Nice. Yeah, it's good. I think Clark, yeah, Clark watched it this weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Liked it a lot. Um, Donnie Brook is sort of a, uh, Donnie Brook reminded me of a lot of, um, what was the Antonius Campos movie that Russell Devil all the time. Watched? Yes. Where it's sort of, um, a different Devil direction for him. Um, but I, it, because it was also a, a, an adaptation from a novel. And uh, I devil all the time over um, Donnie Brook, but yeah, Donnie Brook just um, almost. Now I think Dark Knight is a tough film for people to grasp, and I can't imagine when I was nineteen giving a fuck. I probably couldn't even have sat through the film. Oh, but it, it, like it's so um, confrontational with its mixed media approach, like that Google Map scene. Like it's so much you have to digest to kind of understand how terrifying that like brief moment is. Mm-hmm. And that relationship with the audience is like fucking, I don't know. I don't think it's a safe choice <laughs> for a filmmaker yet. No, I feel like, I feel like you lean into that with girls night and, and I'm curious now with, with girls night, we're doing a, uh, I feel bad calling it a parody. Because I think um, there's a weightier word that would describe how artistic your approach is, but satire. A satire. Thank you, <laughs> my my buddy, the the source over here. Um, girls' night. When we're when we're using the the parameters of a sitcom, I was trying to think of what really made a sitcom. Like, what are the rules? Like, what is the Dogma ninety five rules of a sitcom? Three cameras. I think, yeah. Well, not not even technically. I think just thematically. And I think the three things that are most important to me are the theme song, the laugh track, and the moral. And I think those are three things that you tackle in the first 12 minutes of your movie. And I think that really helped me understand why your movie feels so chaotic. Because we kind of get that sitcom arc. You also need the neighbor. Oh, well, I mean, I think that's part of the laugh track where it's the tribalism of humans Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like, we're not in this alone. And I think they have to appreciate the fact that most people are probably watching the show alone. So the most direct way to make, to literally say you're not alone is to have a laugh track. And, uh, interesting way of thinking about it. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about it because (laughs) (laughs) laugh tracks are fucking great. But before we get there. I wanted to go through the beats with you, and I just, I'm curious of how you decided to craft your intro. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the intro, um, that's basically like I this is probably the only thing I'll like explain to you about Girls Night. because uh, if you're you. if you're if you're, if you're making this um interview just to find the meat of Girls Night, uh I hate to break it to you, but you're not gonna find it. Um <laughs> But um the opening uh the opening I explained to one of my buddies, he did a Q&A after the premiere of Girls Night and some we talked about. Uh, the intro, I kind of wanted to just like, or or kind of like, like sort of be kind of like, no bullshit, this is what you're getting yourself into. Um, and this is to sort of like avoid, because I think the big struggle about Girls Night was making it wholly original. Because, like, I'm not going to pretend like I'm, like, the only one who did, like, you know, a sitcom parody. There's too many cooks, uh, some adult swim shorts, the work of Alan, his last type starts on R, Runnick, <laughs> something. I can't, People kept comparing me to him, but, um, yeah, and, like, those very much have, like, you know, like, setups, like, oh, everything's, like, squeaky clean and innocent, then things get disturbed and fucked up. I very much wanted to start off the film right away at the bat, making you uncomfortable and already had that chaotic sense. And basically as sort of more of a warning of like, this is basically what the film is going to be like for like 53 minutes. So that was sort of my goal with that of like not doing the traditional, you know, like, like build up from like innocent, like, you know, your, your classic Trojan horse. Yeah. But uh, but instead, like there's no Trojan horse. This is where you get yourself into have fun. Yeah, it's interesting because when you relate it to something like Too Many Cooks, they kind of take the opposite approach and they mm-hmm. use the intro, which is you know essentially a never-ending catchy theme song. Yeah, where you know if you're of the era like of the '80s or the '90s, you could hum a song and everybody in our generation would know it. It's kind of like. um this middle ground and it's always uplifting and it's kind of, you know, it's there. It's almost like a emotional lighthouse or something. Like it's trying mm-hmm. to like, it's tuning you in onto like, get happy. And you're, you almost have like a residence theme running through. Do you know the band, the residents, the residents I'm afraid yeah. I don't. Okay. Check them out. Um, now you don't watch their documentary. <laughs> yeah. Do not watch the documentary the theory of everything. Theory of obscurity. There we go. Theory of everything is something else. I think that's Stephen Hawking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't watch that. He's dead. No, but your your music, first you have no lyrics and it's all horns. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, damn, you are making a strong statement there where like you, like you just mentioned, you're like, this is not going to be too many cooks. And I, um, now, I know you probably heard the podcast where we covered it, but mm-hmm. we had our buddy Robbie. Uh, this was kind of like his going away marathon. Mm-hmm. And w- what the fuck did we watch? We watched You, Me, Madness. Then we watched. He was going away to Massachusetts, not yeah. jail. No, we were sending him out on a raft and <laughs> yeah. shooting fire arrows at him. Um, then we watched Willie's Wonderland. And then we went into Girls' Night. Now, yes. do, you, do you think that's a, <laughs> that's a good uh, marathon lineup? I would say after Willie's Wonderland, I think it would definitely be appropriate. <laughs> I don't. What, did you did you like that film? Uh, Willie's Wonderland. I haven't seen it yet. Actually, I'm planning to. Now Clark loved it. I thought after, it was fun. What, how, how do you remember it now? It was fun. I I forgot I watched it until I now we got to check and see if I gave it a three. 
So my ratings hold up. I think I rated it way too high. You did. I think you gave it like four and a half. <laughs> and, you know, thinking back on it, I'm like, I think, you know, it, it wasn't made for the room. Willie's Wonderland. It wasn't made for us. And I think we wanted more. We demanded more out of it. And shifting into girls night where, you know, I'm assuming you had a shoestring budget, but you did mm-hmm. so much with the creative, like just the craft of filmmaking. I think it was, uh, you, you gave me that opportunity to present a film and be like, hey, check out what I found, which I can't mm-hmm. to- fully take credit for because somehow you got your film in front of Dave Jackson. Can yes, you talk I about have. That? Yeah. What the hell would you do? Oh, God, I should be wearing my Catchic Blues t-shirt right now for this. <laughs> are you, are yeah. you uh, a subscriber? Did you like um, contribute to the Indiegogo? Uh, unfortunately, no. I found out about Catchic Blues um, last year. And I became a massive fan of it. It's like literally right now, I'm like my top 10 favorite movies of all time. And I'm looking over at my Catsick Blues uh, poster right now. So like right now, I'm sounding like a fucking crazed fan. And like if Dave Jackson hears this, he probably never wants to talk to me ever again. But um, yeah, um, he's somebody I've been really looked up to. His movie like fucking devastated me um as a cat owner who lost a cat like the movie just like spoke so much to me and just made me cry a river like like both times i watched it so he i always looked up to him for that and i really liked his uh short films and just the fact that he made it like was like just like ten thousand dollars um really just like really just maybe look up to him and our a similar taste in movies too so I remember like I'll email him sometimes for advice um, or just to share something. And one time I was even asking to if I could even use his footage for my movie, uh, one of my short films that'll be releasing this year. And I remember after the premiere of Girls Night and getting an overwhelming positive reception, which I did not expect the film to have. I just thought the feedback would be, Christian, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> um, so I felt confident enough that I could show Dave Jackson Girls' Night. So I emailed him, and he said that he'll watch it soon. And then, like, three months passed, and, like, I thought, it was like, okay, he probably forgot about it, whatever. And one morning, I wake up, I go to my phone, I casually scroll through Letterboxd, and I scroll through the very last film I could preview, and I see day I see the girl side poster. I'm like, oh, who? Which one of my friends uh, reviewed this? And I go and I see Dave Jackson's icon, five stars, <laughs> and like I lost my shit. <laughs> I was absolute. I was absolutely flabbergasted in like the best way that like this person I was looking up to like. Like even like loved my movie. Like I was absolutely grateful that he really digged it and introduced it to you guys. Oh yeah. When, when I, so Dave Jackson, um, we had him on the show. He's a mm-hmm. fucking interesting character. He had, uh, moved to uh, Japan when we talked to him and mm-hmm. the first, uh, he had to cancel our first interview because they were having a hurricane and he was oh, just God. like, yeah, they have yeah, typhoons over there. Typh- whatever. Thank you. Sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and after that interview, I, I just remember thinking, how do people not know about Catsick Blues? Like, it's such a fucking good, effective, visceral, like, slasher film, which you just don't think can happen anymore. Mm-hmm. And I realized he's got, like, a legit little cult following. Um, oh, absolutely. One of, the guys, 
Dude, one of the guys that helped us uh, shoot the F-24 hour, he saw me and Clark intro fucking fear footage too at a film fest. And we mentioned the podcast and he he said he casually opened it up and scrolled through. And the only reason he checked it out was because he saw we had talked to Dave Jackson. And he was like, oh, they get it. Like they're talking to cool people if they got him on there. So when I saw him rate a movie, five stars called Girls Night and just that cover. I was like, what the fuck is this? And I think, did you answer me? I commented on there and I was like, how do I watch it? It was uh, me and my cinematographer, Connor. We both uh, at you and speak of Connor cinematographer. Uh, he listened to the girls night episode and I got to mention this for him. Uh, he was very upset when you guys yeah. didn't think it was a multicam uh, setup, <laughs> even though it was multicam. And he got very upset by that. I assumed that we only shot was one camera. That's Who said fucking that? funny. I don't remember that. <laughs> my my <laughs> cinematographer. It it was like you and Clark. It was um, it was Clark and uh, Randall. Oh, huh. Randall, you yeah. fuck. Now you remember it. <laughs> here's the thing. I blame Robbie on this. Now get him, get him to record the meanest thing he could say in relation to that uh, episode, and then we'll air it. And okay. he can, that, that can be his uh, revenge. That can be his revenge. Okay, yeah, I'll hit up Connor. <laughs> Let him know they can have his revenge on that. <laughs> No, 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 no. Have him do a two sentence horror story Ooh. where he publicly <laughs> uh, insults us. There we go. What the, We're dude. running out of two sentence horror. <laughs> Thank God. I, I wish that bit would die. Oh, that's so fucking funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm super curious. Like, wh- why did you put the film on YouTube? Well, the reason why is because. Um, the thing about Girls Light was that I tried to submit to festivals and festivals really don't like me. Or more in this case, I realized with film festivals, if you try to submit a feature film, the odds are really oh. stacked against you because I have festivals turn me down because like it was just far too long. They could fit in their timeline. And like I was I was to submit to like fucking like Sundance or something. I wasn't a moron. Like, I was, like, going for festivals I knew would like Girls' Night. And they would not accept me because of, like, because, like, either it was too long or they just didn't get it. And, now, like, oh, sorry, go on. No, I, I just, you know, film fest. <laughs> We're kind of fortunate that we deal in the type of film that we do. Because mm-hmm. whenever a film, I think, is going to be hard for an audience to take. I always just think of the format we're doing and I'm like, well, none of these are particularly easy. And I think if you're doing like a horror film fest, something like girls night might actually be too challenging for the crowd they're trying to bring in. But on top of that, I think your runtime is an issue where Mm -hmm. when we book features, like fuck a minute 30, like we don't need a nine 90 minute movie. I mean, what murder death Koreatown was like 80 and Mm -hmm the whole format of found footage, I think it actually benefits when it's not a, like, you know, you could just feel the beats of a three act structure and we're doing like 45. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just saying like, there's a weird, like purgatory of runtime. 45 is rough. Yeah. 40. I would say 45 to 55 is a weird zone. Yeah, no. Yeah. And I definitely learned that lesson the hard way. Cause like I, I probably spend like far more money on like the festival fees 
than on like the actual oh. film's budget, which is like so embarrassing to admit. But like, yeah, it just devastated me. And like, even the festivals, it was except it was accepted in two festivals. One was a scam oh, where man. like it was called like the the things in the basement film festival or some something like that, where like it was hosted by these two brothers. And one of them was like act- was like locked the other brother out. So he could just accept like every single film that got submitted and just collect all the money. Oh. And the other brother was trying to cancel the film festival and say that his brother's a lunatic. <laughs> and so and so like I pulled my film out of there and like I remember like a month later they sent me emails like, Hey Christian, you can submit back girls' night and like get fifty percent off. I'm like, Yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> and and then there was the other film festival called Planet Nine Festival. And I really hate to be critiqued with them since uh, it was hosted by lovely people. Uh, shout out to one of the hosts there, uh, Crisp. Um, he is a great guy who absolutely adored Girls Night. Um, me, he gave me like his full like analysis of the film. It was super insightful and he easily has my favorite um, he has my favorite outlook on the movie and his my favorite analysis of girls night so shout out to him he was an angel but how that film was i I gotta be honest with them again no offense to planet nine but your setup for the film festival was a disaster (laughs) like online or in person it was online okay and they played my movie and right after the uh the first kitchen scene with uh, uh, Sarah and Frankie, as soon as it fade to black, another short film started playing. And I got really mad because Girls Night, I'll get, to, get into this more later. Um, Girls Night was originally meant to have commercials, oh. but I decided to remove them, uh, but only kept the PSA. But all the other commercials I removed, I'll get to more details later into why, since that's probably one of your questions. Um, and so then I thought they they were doing like a commercial thing with Girls Night without me knowing. Mm. And I got really mad until after that short film was over. And then they said, oh, we accidentally ended the other one way shorter. Let's play it again. So I played, just replayed Girls Night again, restarted it. And like, as soon oh, as oh. things got to the third act, they messed up the aspect ratio and like it's selling like the whole film it's now like the bottom right corner for like five minutes and this is like during like again like the last 15 minutes like the most crucial minutes of the movie and like it was even like in a proper format and like during it was so embarrassing during it where they just grabbed the grabbed the film and just like resized it as they were playing like i wanted to scream again Again, the people running these are nice people. Again, Chris, thank you so much for your insight. I'm so glad you love the movie. And they also <laughs> gave me a free t-shirt too after it. So they're great people. Uh, definitely don't go out and you know, say that they're garbage because they're not. <laughs> but I got to be honest, how my film was presented, I was not very happy with at all. But no, hey. I'm kind of shocked by that. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, okay, so the fucking internet, man. Um, 
like I, I don't know the Plan Nine people, but good name and venturing out into the online world for a film fest was fucking terrifying. And it's a thing that we ripped our fucking hair out about for months. We were uh, cutting ourselves deeply in our thighs, you know, weeks before, and constantly trying to reevaluate why we were doing this and technical like it's like we can program films and we go into a theater and we have a projectionist that you know this is their job and their craft online it's kind of like it's the fucking wild west and you're working with third-party companies and yeah Mm -hmm. and again all the excuses in the world the thing is we 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 did stress about it for about eight months before doing our thing and and i'm a little shocked that you didn't find it interesting i think your film is such a like you're juking the parameters so hard with your with your feature and then to see it just completely presented weird i feel like that's a unique opportunity but it's his film and his vision and when that's not portrayed then that's a problem i think if you would have been able to see it like with a group or maybe watched it before in other platforms and then had this one it would have been like a weird experience uh, i don't know experience experiment but yeah i don't know i kind of like it when shit goes off the rails again yeah it's not a film i made mm-hmm. you're, you're right there exactly but, but how fucking how bizarre somebody who didn't know what this movie was and they're watching it and it plays the first third and then it cuts into a short completely like what was the short that it cut into it was like about like a zit monster like oh it was like <laughs> popper zits and then like a monster looking made out zits come out to her and like he like pops his zits out of him i don't know i make it sound like a fucking like lucifer valentine short film, but yeah but like oh yeah was it played for comedic effect or was it like grotesque uh i think it was comedic it it was yeah but like the reason why i took great offense to cut into the short film which i'll get it i'll probably now explain the commercials bit was that I originally wrote in commercials for Girls' Night. Um, there's even on my YouTube channel, Killerbot Films, there is a deleted uh, animation that oh. was supposed to play after the first kitchen scene. Um, but however, as soon as we start filming, I decided to abandon it because I found that uh, commercials, again, as I talked about, the great struggle of like keeping girls night original will not try to branch off of the other films that try to parry the uh, try to satirize the sitcom or um or old tech feel like vhs or in this case mini dv or shot on video and i remember like all the other films that did this like um and and wnuf halloween special i believe it's called yes like that film was made entirely out of commercials Made entirely mostly out of commercials, like an actual movie, like just splice in there. Mm-hmm. And like, then there's like Dead uh, Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. Yep. That has commercials too. And like, I, and not only would having commercials just like ruin the pacing of the movie and ruin the tension and like keeping you on your toes of like what's going to happen, but also it's like, if I do that, what difference am I? Well, how different am I from the other guys that are doing that? You know, like, oh, funny, I'm imitating commercials from the '80s. Yeah, like literally, some fucking kid in like a high school film class can do that. You know, <laughs> so like, I decided to scrap it because, like, I just like thought about how like really just miserable it would be to do those and to include those, and just like, 
I thought it was just a, like honestly just like a waste of time and just like it would it would just like ruin the uniqueness of Girls Night and that like an, exp- an experience that like it gives to people. But as I mentioned before, there's one that I kept though was the PSA that I found to be extremely important for the movie. Okay, yeah, don't because I think I think you made the right call. Because uh, I think le- if you're going to leave in anything, leave in the PSA because that definitely uh, works to you know the the aesthetic of you know sitcoms of a certain era. Mm-hmm. You know, we all remember the PSAs. I think it actually ties when I was talking earlier about your 12 minute mark kind of hitting all the beats. I counted the PSA as the moral message for your film. But before we go there, I just want to mention Dude Bro Party Massacre is a movie that should be sold with a beer. That film is just made for pure comedy. And I think the commercials are just a way to get uh, quick punchlines in. Yeah, Um, I mean, I don't mean that this Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. I really like that movie. Yeah, you know what? I thought it worked too. And on paper, I would fucking hate it. And um, I, I was actually shocked that I enjoyed that movie so much. Now, with WNUF, I think the commercials really lent into the found footage format there, where if we're really trying to buy the fact that this is a like tape somebody made of a moment that uh, a news broadcast company tried to erase from the internet, that's it needed commercials. The thing I hated about it was that they were fast forwarding and then it brings into question who's doing that because I'm watching the movie and I'm not fast forwarding and they used it as a punchline for a commercial that played three times. That That's my beef with WNUF. Now, it's a joke. I know, but you don't like a joke. It breaks the format. And it's I, a joke. We could go last week and have Zeke on there. I know, but it's format breaking. And, you know, rules are made to be broken. I get it, Zeke. I hear yeah. you. Fuck off. And <laughs> the thing is, with Girls' Night, I think if you had commercials in there, all the movies we've mentioned so far, they're always jokey. They're always made to be like, I don't know, like little, they're jokes. I think it would have shifted this your film tonally in a direction that wouldn't have helped. Where mm-hmm. your, your PSA, and even what I think the pig represents in your film, is kind of like a creeping reality. And, you know, the PSA marks the end of a, of our normal sitcom narrative where we have the intro, which is, you know, anti catchy, I think is a good way to call it. <laughs> uh, then we, we get the meat of the show, which is, you know, we get distanced from that. Uh, you're not alone narrative with the laugh track and it's really tonally challenging. And, um, there's a uh, God, there's a moment that I think about like regularly where, um, I believe it's Sarah Smalls is, uh, drinking a glass of water alone in the kitchen and the lights are off and the camera just kind of lingers there. And it comes off of a moment where, um, Frankie's doing karate and talking shit about her roommate. And it felt like a moment that should have had a laugh track because you know, it's played for laughs, except it didn't. So you're kind of like, does that mean it's like these are real emotions she's working through? And then we cut to to Sarah down there with the glass of water alone and there's nothing. We're just kind of left alone. And it is such a beautiful moment of like existential horror. And then we, you know, when we wrap that up with the PSA, which is clearly like it, there's still problems here. Even though you're doing this little warning, you know, our characters haven't even taken the advice. I thought it was it was grim. I, I love that. And it didn't read as a commercial to me. It really re- read as like the end of an episode 
So I, honestly, I didn't even think about commercials in this narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, no, th- yeah, no. Thank you for that insight. Yeah, and Laugh Tracks is definitely something that like I had a very clear idea for that I had to convince people since like the people I, I shared the girls' life footage with and like rough cuts, they always asked me to put in more laugh tracks. And like mm-hmm. and like but there's like two or two or three times where like Adam actually elevated, but like then I got feedback from people who were like, no, add a laugh track here. I'm like, but no, I don't want to. I really don't want to because I don't feel like this is appropriate. Dude. And yeah. The la- they're begging for the laugh track because it's a relief. Yeah. It it yeah. Lit- it, it works. And I remember when I used to watch Cheers with my grandmother and there was like a real episode and there was no laugh track, it used to like fuck with me. And I'd just mm-hmm. be like, oh. But Norm still delivers. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, and like I very much did want to give that relief because like they're like literally like, I got like feedback where like okay if I literally add a laugh track here it'll literally ruin what I wanted from this scene and just make it just sitcom fluff like very yeah. much this movie like you guys are correct that like yeah I want to make a movie that's like that's purposely like very challenging like I didn't I I basically made this movie like with many goals but one of the main goals is like I want to make a film that rejected the like of like the easy understand sitcom and just make something that like that was that was that was challenging that was challenging and personally hard to decipher removing that comfort beautiful i mean i you know it's funny i i hate um funnier die <laughs> the channel i don't know why i think your youtube scrolling it, would argue exactly. otherwise and i'll tell you it was research for this no it just it actually tied in beautifully so funny or die um i don't recommend you check out their channel but they do a series called a very special episode D- do you know about that christian um i know about funny or die i used to watch them like in elementary school but uh <laughs> so like two years ago two years ago oh, no, I, I don't know about their new series, though. No. I don't even know if it's new. It's I, not a thing. Is Funny or Die a thing anymore? I don't know. I I, it's a thing. Yeah, yeah, you're correct. I've rediscovered it. Yeah. I dug it up in the, the dirt of the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, So they have a series called A Very Special Episode. And all they do is they truncate episodes of sitcoms, and they do a VO. And, um, it, you know, it's played for comedy. But, like, uh, one, the episode I f- that came up on my feed that got me was it's Mr. Belvedere, that episode where a kid got AIDS. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so you watch it and it's the sitcom in the eighties is trying to tackle AIDS, which was very new at the time. And the, the laugh track, it shows up in all of these moments where like, you know, the little, they'll have, you know, I, I don't know any of the characters of Mr. Belvedere, yeah. but one of them will be trying to articulate how his friend isn't going to school because he's come down with AIDS and he'll say something cute. Like, a, I don't know, an eight year old would say, and then there's a laugh track and the VO would be like, that's uncomfortable. And it's like, yeah, but that's what, I don't think people can process this shit without it. And, um, I highly recommend you watch the Belvedere kid got AIDS and you watch different strokes. The one that deals with the bicycle sale. I've seen that episode. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bicycle. Yeah. Mr. Horton, dude, you know, (laughs) yeah, I know. Like it was literally like an inside joke with me and my friend in middle school. We're obsessed with, uh, that episode was Mr. Horton, dude. 
Now, rewatch it having made Girls' Night. And think of how they use that laugh track. There's literally a moment where he invites kids over and he's like, hey, come in the room. And you know what? I'm going to get some stuff ready. Go ahead and read these comics. And they show him slide a porno into the middle of the comic stack. And then there's a laugh track. And we're like, what? <laughs> Who the fuck is laughing at this? And then, you know, they sit down, open it's like, whoa, look at this. And it's like, there's a laugh track. It's like these boys aren't going to go home tonight. <laughs> I, I remember it was an episode of Different Strokes that actually kind of fucked me up. Um, it was like, it was like, a, it was another like Mr. Horn like episode where like one of the kids get kidnapped or some shit, okay. and like and like Gary and like they had to like um, do like a sidekick work with Gary Coleman for him to remember the car that the kid was kidnapped in. And like so, they they rush up. It was like a two part episode, like the Mister Horton episode. Um, and they rush up to the hotel room, uh, and they open up, and like there's the kid there, just like strapped and gagged oh, on the what? bed. And like I remember the the room was lit up red. It was <laughs> lit up red, and like he's looking horrified, and like it stops on a freeze frame of him, and that's the end of the episode, dude. <laughs> I, now, wish, I, I wish I remember the title. I wish because like I found that be like a little bit like way more fucked up than the Mr. Horton one because like that was already like a meme between me and my friend in middle school since like he was obsessed with, like a YouTube poop. Yeah uh, about Mr. Horton. <laughs> so like he always found it funny and like we all watch like the episode together. We're like laughing our ass off. So like we always found like a weird like like a uh, enjoyment out of it because of the meme. But that episode, like, when I was watching Different Strokes, like, I just double across it, and, like, I was, like, shocked of, like, no. how, like, graphic the visuals got. <laughs> no, I, I pulled up um, the, uh, I just put in Different Strokes, and, of course, Mr. Horton popped up right away, and I just went to images to show Clark and, uh, how you, how you mulling over this. So the bicycle man, he's a pedo, dude? <laughs> It looks like a pedo. So in that picture I just pulled up with all the little uh, photographs, yeah. that's mm-hmm. pictures of him with other kids naked. I'm sorry? And he's like, yeah, you know, boys, you can have a lot of fun if you just get naked. Like, here's me with some other kids. Yeah. And there's a laugh track. And then he tells one of them, hey, let's play. Um, let's uh, take some photos. And he's like, yeah, you want to be Tarzan? Take your shirt off. He never wore a shirt. So that's him posing in front of a plant with uh, his shirt off. What was going on in the 1970s? Dude, I know, he like, pours his wine. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it very much like what the laugh track was though. It's like it's clear like there to like to give that sense of comfort for such like a sensitive topic and for such like but like disturbing subject matter like that and seeing those actions happen. And definitely like you you couldn't just get away with like no laugh track. You you could have just like put no laugh track as like it would be more appropriate to not have them. Oh, that's but, like <laughs> Yeah, I know, of course, yeah. But like but like with that, I know the sitcoms. So what I absolutely f- hate about them was that like un of like comfort me like a baby with those things. Like, oh yeah. yeah, laugh. This this is funny. Yeah, take your mind off things. It's not gonna make you really think about anything. This is to waste my time here on Earth. Like, it, and like I'm not saying about the horrid episode. Like, I think the episode generally does a good job. And like I like the different strokes as a show. It's like it's like one of the sitcoms I can actually tolerate, but like yet yeah, at the same token though, that strong criticism I have with the laugh track is still very valid, and 
definitely it kind of shows that sitcoms are kind of like enabled to handle like serious subject matter and oh, i know yeah. there's probably like a bunch of different examples of sitcoms actually doing this right that i'm probably not thinking of but like the like your average sitcom like your friends or some bullshit like that <laughs> like very much like it's old to like 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 fluff reality fluff reality at fluff reality your your problems can be solved rather easily and these things they're not that big of a deal you know yeah you know turn off your brain don't <laughs> think about anything just waste your time on earth why would you watch something good you know it's just it's insufferable well, really well also it kind of like trauma in the world of an episodic show is so different from a a show that mm. has through narrative because you know gary coleman uh He's been fed wine by a pedophile who's trying to, you know, lure him in with his bike. Yeah. And, you know, they deal with it. It's a two part episode. And then I'm sure Dr. Horton, you know, he's gone. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like it never comes up again. It's kind of like, you know, it's just compartmentalized and dealt with. Mm-hmm. And it's not how trauma works. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. Yeah. And like, if they were to do that, that would be too much. That, that would scare the viewer too much that like bad shit could actually happen in reality, you know? Yeah, and like, kind of like a Rick and Morty or something. Yeah. Which, yeah. I, I hadn't thought of Rick and Morty as a sitcom before. I think I'm behind on it. I know, Sorry, I, I didn't mean to derail you there. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, and like... It, 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 and it kind of like all goes back to what I was saying like before. It's like if they actually show like like how actually like trauma works, that would be too much for the viewer. Far too much. So like, of course, they have to just like purposely like flop it up. And that's what all these sitcoms do. They're all meant to be just like escape as fluff. And like, I'm not saying that's always necessarily bad. Like, I remember like, um, during like first semester of university, like, I, it got really goddamn rough. And I was already like writing my, uh, next feature that I'm planning to shoot in June. That's, uh, also like a very graphic story. And so mm-hmm. I needed some like light fluff. So I started reading, um, Don't Bully Me, Nakatoro. And like when I knew what I was reading wasn't like high class art, like I knew it wasn't making me think of life a different way, but like it had enough of like crew, like artistic, like integrity and decency to like actually make it enjoyable. And I think that's the very poor thing as well is that like if you were to make some that's quote unquote just escapism, they like have some artistic decency because none of these sitcoms do because they're all to just really, again, as I mentioned, just to waste my time. <laughs> So like well, every, everything has a place, and I think sitcoms certainly have a place because I think escapism fluff is very important in mm-hmm. the world that we have, uh, you know, constructed for ourselves. You know, we've got mm-hmm. you know, think about you know the average person, and we'll take America here for example. The average middle class family, you know, the father probably has a job he fucking hates. He goes to a <laughs> wife that they've fall, fallen out of love years ago, and they're only in it for the kids, and the kids he doesn't understand. They're doing things he doesn't get. He's in a world that he just doesn't understand. Things are going by too quickly. So when he comes home and turns on the Big Bang Theory, he understands <laughs> oh, these telegraph jokes, and it's fine, and he is numbing his mind for 22 minutes. Well, I also think I- you you know, it's also the surrogate babysitter too. It's like you could put on different strokes and hope that you're, you know, and know that your kids mm-hmm. in good hands. Yeah, yeah. But probably skip the uh, visit horror episode. <laughs> well, well, you it's know, really what? important. You got to learn to avoid the pedophiles. Of course, yeah. But what Clark said, like I, I've been given that point before. Because uh, believe it or not, it's not the only time I ranted about this to people. 
but like <laughs> I, I find i find with that is that like like of course like when we have like a shitty life like that yeah like don't binge watch like the vomit gore trilogy or whatever like again like <laughs> Like, again, I literally admitted to, like, just start reading Nagatoro because I wanted some, like, fluff. And, like, it, but, like, with that, though, as I mentioned, though, it had, like, artistic, like, decency that made me a joy. Like, it was just, like, a slap-together anime, like, manga. Like, it was actually, like, the characters are actually thought out. It had, like, a really great art style to it. It was actually funny. So, like, I knew I wasn't wasting my time with it because artistically it was making me excited. And, like, I know saying that, that's definitely more of a me thing that has to get me artistically excited. And with film as well, like, if you have to, like, go to that level of use it as escapism from, like, your shitty job or, in this case, marriage or something, I don't know. Then, like, it, it definitely should be a problem that you could at least, like, personally connect with. At least make it feel better besides, like, watching Friends and, like, you, you feel it's kind of like, you know, like, taking edibles. You, you, you're feeling you're feeling good for like an hour then like right after you're just back to normal and just moopy that's basically that's basically what these sitcoms do and like and like so many movies have done that to me like a uh, punch drunk love is a movie like i always go back to wherever like i feel like so shitty about myself because like i i'm able to really connect with barry since barry goes through almost everything that i went through through all my life all the issues that he has that movie I go through. And so to have that relationship that can like emotional connection with a movie and to actually relate that like that is that like it, it makes it worthwhile my time. It makes it worthwhile my time that I'm able to like personally and emotionally connect to that. And that's what and that's a, as I mentioned the main thing that frustrates me with a sitcom and base and what I'm essentially attack attacking with girls night. Is that like I, I'm tired of the mindless fluff? <laughs> Absolutely. And like, yeah, I know I'm going like super hardcore. I love it. Well, you know? <laughs> no, again, no. It's it. That's why you have your place, and everyone has their place. Like we we need you to hate these things because we want more <laughs> girls' night. So of continue course. what you're doing, but also realize that most people are stupid, <laughs> and yeah. most people don't want to look at anything more. G- g- with a higher creative output because they don't understand that because they're fine with Michael Scott in the office telling them everything they need to know about what's funny. (laughs) And they're fine with rewatching the whole series six times. They're fine with that. And that's okay. No, that's totally okay. I'm like, if anybody listens, like think I fucking hate them for like watching the office. No, I don't. (laughs) No, I don't. Okay. I I, I hate if like, if I, I come out like sound like super pretentious, but like, that that's just it's just something like I'm I'm very like uh, emotion um I don't want to say emotional be super dramatic about it uh passionate very passionate about of that good balance of like escapism and just of either actually being like you know like worthwhile better self or being a waste of time you know like that that has always fascinated me man you know hearing you you talk about sitcoms you've really you've got me thinking now. And this is, Clark's going to hate this. Here we go. You've got me thinking about soap operas. Oh boy, they're mm-hmm. so different, but they're very similar. And you know, if I'm thinking about sitcoms, kind of like babysitting children, like it clearly used to for me. I would watch Step by Step all the time, or mm-hmm. growing like. And then you know the soap opera, it's different. There's no laugh track. You do have like a sweeping 
like intro and theme. It's all formulaic. It's very drama heavy, but again, like the 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 <laughs> the fucking the the torment lingers in a fucking soap opera so much that they draw it out and they almost make mm-hmm. a mockery of it like everybody's awful in a soap opera yet they manage to like move through life and i think thinking of a soap opera as a counter sitcom really makes me understand why I like twin peaks so much because that mm-hmm. they really lean into the existential horror in that small community and they, instead of doing like a sitcom thing, which is, you know, joke heavy and like find the light, you know, fire walk with me is all about the shit that you wouldn't see in a soap opera because it cut away or an episode ended. And we kind of yeah. linger on that. I don't know, dude, you got to do a soap opera now. Soap opera now. Uh, I mean, I've been thinking about a lot of girls night sequels. So, and I definitely want the next one to be a soap opera. <laughs> Like, oh, telenovela telenovela of course yeah i know <laughs> well, I, I, it's good ideas i've been quite crafting like i'm not confirming oh girls died too it, it, i'm not a i'm not 100 going on board with it but i've been thinking about it and like if i were to make another girls night it would be a soap opera absolutely what about girls day girls day Ooh, girls day <laughs> to be like I'm a bit of <laughs> Just do a um, midsummer to be like a daytime horror. <laughs> oh god! Now, maybe maybe Girls' Night Two isn't the way to go. Although I would watch the fuck out of it. But please work more with your leads. Was it uh, Tegan and Rowan? Tegan and Rogan, Rowan. Yes, dude, they fucking ruled. And I, yeah, can, where did you find these people? Um, it's funny because I found them the most unexpected places. Um, because when I wrote Girls' Night, I thought of totally two different people. Um, there was this one other girl and who I want to play Sarah was actually my longtime collaborator and good friend, Olivia, who played, uh, Marco Thompson. And, but then I offered those roles. Um, the first, the first girl I was thinking for Frankie rejected it. And for Olivia, she was really busy with, uh, school. And I knew that if we're offered the role, like, think like it will just like make scheduling or live in hell, and so you'll eventually drop out. So I decided to give her the role of Margaret Thompson instead. And so I was bumped there. Think about who the cast. Then I remember a few weeks ago, uh, I'm in I was in musical theater, and that's where I met uh, Rowan and Tegan. And I was simply asking the group chat to somebody to help with my audition. And those two responded to me. And so one day during lunch period, we met up in the theater and we started practicing for my audition. And this was our first introduction to each other. And Rowan already knew me, already knew me through like other friends. And Tegan somewhat knew me before. But this was like our first time actually communicating with one another. And we all end up actually auditioning together for the legit one. And I thought back to those two and how like, cause like Tegan's already like a very like down to earth person. Well, Rowan, like in real life, he's, he's a very vibrant character in real life already. She's always like very like um loud and expressive in real life. So like, I thought back to those two is like, Oh shit. Those two are basically perfect. 
and like have actually like work with them both together. Like I knew they could do it. So I offered both in the script. They both liked it. And yeah, then we made girls night. Now, um, I, I know we're running long here, but I had to ask, did Rowan improv a lot of her, like her burns because they're fucking good. Uh, yeah, uh, quite a bit of the film actually is, uh, improv driven, which was funny because, I originally intended Girls' Night to be completely driven by improv. I wrote the script more as a blueprint. And though Connor hated reading the script and how I formatted it, I wrote it in a sense that, yeah, I'm just going to basically change everything on set, like whatever. But during first day of filming, I realized that Rowan Tegan actually preferred sticking by the script and changing it around so we ended up sticking more by the script we'll still improv in quite a uh, quite a bit of the movie uh based on ideas what i was thinking and how i was feeling but um other two actors really did improv uh quite a bit like the uh judo scene for example yeah uh, like the majority of that of her lines is improv what about what about that beautiful moment that we all loved on our marathon night where uh you had a uh, Michael in the bathroom. That was uh, <laughs> that scene in the script was originally set in a backyard, but I decided to change it to a washroom. And like, I thought it's like, yeah, we, we find like Michael just like crying, just like gripping onto his crotch. <laughs> so like, we just like rolled the camera, just let like Jacob just go nuts with the lines. <laughs> so the scene was my idea. And like Jacob, like improved his lines. <laughs> oh, it worked! It crushed. <laughs> we, dude, I loved it so much. It was kind of like the uh, the climax of the, or it's the pinnacle of the hilarity, at mm-hmm. least what we had in the room before a very uh, steep drop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the darkness and dude, it was <laughs> so good. I, I give him a shout out for us. Tell him we love him here. Of course, yeah, and also he makes his own music too. That I might give a shout out too. Um, he's actually uh, most likely composed in my next movie. Whoa! Yeah, so be sure to uh, link his. Uh, I'll I'll give a link to his um to his music because his stuff's really damn good. What, what does he write under? What name? Uh, let me search up right now. Um, it's like Jacob, but he spells it like fancy. <laughs> fancy jacob <laughs> yeah it, it's period jacob oh that is fancy. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah period jacob that is his um music period jacob uh now christian before we cut you loose uh what can you tell us about your new film and what you got coming down the pipe well for my new film i'm making this summer um i don't want to give um too much away well the only thing i'm gonna say that it uh, what the film is, it is Million Dollar Baby meets Eyes Wide Shut. All right. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's also like our most expensive film, too. It wasn't made with only a hundred bucks. It was actually made with a couple of grand. So I'm very excited to start the ball on that. We've been in pre-production for like months now. And um, it's kind of getting now really freaky that like we're actually getting close to it. Um. As for projects actually releasing soon, I have my uh, film I made during the peak of COVID uh, that I made entirely by myself with uh, a few uh, voice actors. Also, Rona Tegan does appear in that movie. Um, 
and that I'm nearly done editing, nearly done. Just need to do more sound stuff, and I should have it out hopefully this month. But I also said like on Instagram that at least like in two weeks that hasn't happened, so don't trust <laughs> me on that. And also, but probably my biggest project I released this year is my feature length documentary. That is uh, about a busker in Victoria called Dark Fiddler. It's called A Nice Trap. And it's been easily the hardest project I ever worked on. Uh, there, I have a lot of footage. Uh, I, I had to like think of different ways to approach it, but I feel like it's something truly special. It's a completely new format for me, uh, a documentary. And, and it's just something I'm very excited to share with people, especially if you're in Victoria, if you know about Darth Fiddler, I think it would be a very big hit with that crowd. Can you can you tell me a little bit about Dark Fiddler? Uh, Dark Fiddler, uh, he's a busker who plays the violin in downtown Victoria for nearly two decades now. He has been doing it ever since uh, the Phantom Menace came out, <laughs> and and he's a he's a local celebrity in Victoria. If you live in Victoria, you at least probably walked past Dark Fiddler or met him. Um, he's a local legend um, in the area. And I made a documentary with him uh, throughout of 2019 and early 2020. Um, and and again, you can look him up. There's there's uh, quite a few things about him. And I'm very excited to share even more about him with this documentary. Perfect. I, I have to ask, why does the calendar start at The Phantom Menace? The calendar started at The Phantom Menace? That's just what he told me. Just like oh. uh, when, when he told me like, I, it's the only thing I gave out with uh w- from the documentary, like when like the fan Miz came out, that's when um that's when the first time he busked as Dark Fiddler. I love it, dude. As, as long as we're not doing a whole wow. long talking heads thing, and we got some good mm-hmm. cinema verite in there, dude. I am. That's crazy. So the Dark Fiddler is Liam Neeson. <laughs> <laughs> dude, Christian, thank you for hanging out. Um, of course, and I don't know. Giving us your sitcom rant. It's find out, find Steve Cosmic. <laughs> yeah, we got to send you a link to it for I, sure. Oh, yeah, please I, do. Yeah, you guys need to do a collab. <laughs> if he's in the Vancouver area and I like his movie, yeah, totally. Let's do it. All right. Well, we're sending the link for Sweater Girls. The last question I got for you: When mm-hmm. are we going to get a found footage movie out of you? Oh, oh, that's a good question. I always want to do a found footage movie. All right, let's get it done. It could you be short. It, sometime. it could be Ooh. short. We're gonna be harassing you though, and uh, you know you're coming back. So we're gonna bug you, and we want we got to get you back on. Of course, yeah. To make a found footage film just for the unnamed footage festival. Fuck yeah! Yeah, no, yeah I always want to make a found footage movie. So yeah, I'll definitely, I'll, I'll definitely uh, humor you on that. All right, we'll hook you up with the slasher victim and uh, get s- it done, and send us the dates to that. Uh, that film festival with the two scam brothers. 